This is why we have the best fans in the world. Um, this is the second half to our Dunkirk episode, so we're recording this little intro um, later on. This is our 107th episode of Talk Direction, um, and it's just sort of a continuation of the discussion we were having on last episode, um, where we had to take a break, take a pee, and it ended up being a four and a half hour long conversation, so we broke it up into two episodes, so that's why this sounds a little disjointed, and we're just going to carry on with the discussion we've been having. Um, but yeah, so let's just, I guess we just jump right back into it. Is that, does that make sense? So here's the second half. So then we go back to Mr. Dawson, and he comes across a soldier, played by Killian Murphy, um, on top of, I guess it's like a sunken boat. Is that what it is? He looks like the only survivor on this yeah. boat. You see the propeller sort of sticking up in the water. Um, yeah, that's right. And he is, I mean, you don't necessarily know at this point, but clearly he looks like a shell-shocked soldier. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about shell shock, which is just kind of now known as PTSD. Um, because as a psych major, I took a whole class about PTSD. Um, mm. And I thought it was, I know Killian um, did research into that type of stuff. Uh, learning how to portray his soldier, I mean, his his character. Um, but uh, mostly what what we see, like, with him, I think you see a lot of hypervigilance. I think that was, that's a really, like, um, key part of what he's experiencing symptom-wise. Um, but other things that are common are, like, flashbacks, dissociation, and then um, maybe we wouldn't see this here, but things like nightmares and um, different things like that when perhaps you get back home. Um, but I think just sort of, I thought it was interesting including this because there's been throughout history, a huge stigma against especially soldiers in terms of PTSD. It's often because soldiers are sort of supposed to be regarded as like these manly men who like are strong and you have to like be this certain way and you can't have emotions and type of things. Um, it was often, especially I think World War One and World War Two, where we didn't know so much about like the psychology of war and what PTSD really was and what its symptoms were and like how to um, like help people with PTSD. Um, it was often seen as like a weakness, and if you had PTSD, you like weren't as brave as the other soldiers. That's how people mm. interpreted it. Um, and you see, just like these really strong gender roles coming to play, um, and I think like. In, in the context of this movie, you see that war isn't necessarily like that. You, they don't portray, as we said, the men as, like, this band of brothers or, like, manly men who are being heroes. It's very much like trying to survive and young people being confused and not really knowing what's going on and wanting to save themselves and not necessarily what's portrayed in a lot of war movies. Um, so I thought that, that fit in well with having this character um, who... Yeah. 
is shell-shocked. And you have Mr. Dawson, who seems to know about it, which I thought yeah. was really good, and he seems quite understanding about it. Um, yeah. So. I think, again, that kind of tells us that he could be a, a veteran himself. Yeah. Um, you know, it, he obviously is very experienced in, in everything that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great to have, um, like, such a positive um, sort of person, a really great person for Killian to be. I mean, they called him the Shivering Soldier, right? He didn't have a name. Oh. Is that your end, Kara? Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, like, a, about 20 motorcycles outside my apartment right now. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> that was uh, really weird. <laughs> it sounded like like giraffes or something like running by. Yeah. but yeah, I thought I thought that was great that um he was he was like with the the Mr. Dawson character as well. Um and I thought Killian did a really good job portraying him. I think he right away. Amazing. Sorry? He did amazing. Like he he really of all the characters in the film I don't think he had a lot to do mm. like compared to some of them but like within that space of time you've seen the development between like yeah. how he was and then how what he was before and mm-hmm. like he he played that so well mm-hmm. I, I totally agree and, and that comes like quite near each other where you you get to see him like it's a quick jump I guess maybe I should wait till later because it comes later. But yeah, I love the the con- the contrast like of him beforehand and him afterwards. Um, uh, and he said we find out too that his boat was hit by a U boat, which are the submarines, right? They're the German submarines. Yeah, that's right. Um, also, you you get to see as well George interacting with him, mm. and and you can see that innocence in George in that he has mm. no one he has no understanding of of what's happening like mm-hmm. why this man is how he is and it, again he's just so naive and and bless him you just feel really really like oh you just want to hug him and protect him yeah yeah all of his questions he was very much like um like you said naive and, and young and kind of just like the the innocent part of the whole thing and that innocence very quickly gets ruined um so then we go back to the mole, and we have the eerie sounds of the planes and those choppy strings again, and you just know something's going to happen. Um, and the the boat um, that's up against the mole ends up getting bombed. Um, and I think this this was striking that they had just put on all the injured men, and you yeah. know when that's going down, none of them are surviving. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it's really important that you note know that it's a hospital ship, because... Um, I think it's called the Geneva Convention, in, in that is, is it, or is it something like that? Geneva, something or other. It's the um, the rules of war, basically, is that anything that's got a big red cross on it, you do not hit, you do not attack, because it, it you have to give that um, freedom for for the injured to get out of that situation, and so by the Germans destroying that ship, they are breaking the rules of war. Oh, yeah, um, I noticed that. I didn't, I didn't know if it was like the, the rules were in place yet or not, but yeah, that's, that's super interesting to know. Yeah. And, 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 it's, that, and it makes it extra shocking because yes. they, are the, they are the soldiers that are the least able to fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've already been attacked. They're already injured. They, they need help. And 
that happens and also there's nurses on board and everything yeah. as well so and and you could you know that that having that type of thing happen is so like I feel like demoralizing mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it almost feels like like everything we're doing is is futile like everything is just kind of it, the hopeless feeling that that enacts in, in I would say in the soldiers would be pretty great yeah yeah. Um, and then, so they're, they're saying, like, you have to push the boat off the mole because you can't have it sink on the mole. And I guess now knowing what you've said, Sasha, about the mole being the only way to get these big boats to them, you, you know how important that is that this boat does not crush um, mm-hmm. yeah. the mole. Um, but this is where Harry comes in. And it kind of already, it, like, kind of jumps out at you. Like, we throughout the whole movie, we didn't know when Harry's character was going to pop up. Um, and this happens kind of out of the blue. We get that one shot we've seen in the trailers of him swimming and we didn't know what it was for, but here he is. And, um, Tommy saves Alex from being crushed against the dock. Um, and I guess like Kara and I have talked about it in that sort of weird excitement of seeing Harry on the screen, but also like in the context of this horrible part of the movie. Um, what was that like for you, Sasha, seeing him for the first time? (laughs) I mean, I, I knew that he wasn't going to come into it until a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was really quite a cool scene, a cool way to kind of be introduced. And for, for Tommy to be the one that kind of... What's that noise? I'm so sorry. I tried. <laughs> it's literally like, this is like a surround sound experience now. God. Yeah, it, it was it was so cool to see like and you know like that shot where he's just heavily breathing and he's like yeah. just realized that he's it's just that's just saved him mm-hmm. well he doesn't like turn and say thank you thank you you can mm-hmm. tell already that he's quite a confident kind of mm-hmm. um guy I don't know you do you know what I mean like yeah. you can tell mm-hmm. there's something about him and um but it's so cool to see him come into it yeah and such a dramatic way yeah I totally agree and I saw I thought like when he was like breathing there like whatever totally out of breath he sort of like looked at at uh Tommy and was like kind of gave him a thank you with the eyes but you're so right that he like yeah yeah he's not like gushing like oh my god you just saved my life it's just kind of like thanks dude or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and also at this point too I thought um like you can hear the boat both screeching up against the side, but you could also hear the sounds of men screaming, which I thought was really jarring um, and scary. And we've, we've already been introduced to someone who is on that ship who's going to die, which is the guy who was on the stretcher. You know, yeah. like so mm-hmm. it's not like they're just anonymous people going mm-hmm. down. You, you've already kind of seen one of the men who's on there who's yeah. stuck. Yeah, it, and it's just like wow, this entire ship full of people and ship full of you know, injured soldiers who are just going to die immediately and they, there's nothing they can really do about it. Um, and seeing the, God, what's, who, what is he, the general, the captain, Kenneth, whatever. Commander. <laughs> commander. <laughs> um, the commander sort of watching this happen and there's nothing he can do and you kind of wish there was something he could, but really there's nothing and he's just kind of watching it. Um, I love that shot, how it kind of um, pans out. Mm. as he he's just looking over at, at the disaster that's unfolding in front of him mm-hmm. and it's kind of even sometimes in a way that could be like more effective just watching his reaction knowing what he's seeing yeah um than just a long, long drawn out shot of the, 
the ship sinking. Yeah. Like it, it's such an important. And Kenneth, like, he, I don't think he gets enough praise for the way he played that role mm-hmm. because he he is a, a guy who's making decisions. I mean, we've just literally seen him make a decision mm-hmm. to abandon the ones who were on that ship and just push it away. Yet you feel for him straight away. You can see that he's a simp- he's sympathetic and kind of like. Mm-hmm. He, he plays that so well like I love his character and you just kind of want to at the end shake his hand and, and, and say like I hope you're okay sort yeah. of thing. He's, yeah. he's really really you can amazing. tell how much he cares about it and cares about the individuals as well um, I yeah think definitely you, you see that intimate interaction near nearing the end too with with some of, with one of the soldiers so yeah, he he is a very very good character and does such a good job with it. Um, so this is you were mentioning this part earlier where now I had it was very hard to hear. I don't know if you experienced this because you are like British, but uh, <laughs> it was hard to understand what they were saying a lot of times <laughs> for us. And so like I couldn't quite make out all the words, and like half the time I was like I don't know anything that they're saying. But it didn't matter all the times because you could tell what was happening. It didn't necessarily require words. Um, cause the acting was so strong. Um, but so what does he say? Cause I, I wrote down, I know the wrong words. Cause I thought he had said like, if their hair is wet, they get to go on another boat. Um, but I don't think that's what he had said. Cause then Gibson <laughs> and Tom, Tommy like duck their hair in the water to like, look, make it look like they were on the boat. But what is it that he said? Cause I think you mentioned it earlier. Oh no, that, that part where he looks over at them, he says Highlanders, which is, okay. he's referring, he, he's assuming that, because he's looking at Harry and he's looking at like the other mm-hmm. some of the other soldiers, and he, he sort of says, "Highlanders, we've got an, we've got another boat for you," mm-hmm. and so that's why that's why Tommy and Gibson um, dip under the water because they like this boat is for the ones who've just survived that, mm-hmm. so we better mm-hmm. make it look like we've just come off that boat, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually there's there's a moment where Harry kind of looks at him with a bit of a funny like <laughs> he understands he, he knows Alex knows like yeah. why. Yeah. They've just done that, and he kind of approves of it, and yeah. then he sort of takes him under his wing, then in a way, and he's like, "Right, come on, lads," and he sort of helps him up onto the mole, and as they w- start walking together, then so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's all he says. He just sort of says, "Highlanders." Okay, I was like, "Did he say hair wet or something?" <laughs> <laughs> I was confused, but I knew you knew you knew what the purpose of it was. Like, oh, we better get our hair wet so we look like we are on that boat. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I like that. And then we, there, I don't know, there was some, <laughs> I, I put it down, notice, Harry sniffs in the movie, and it reminds me of God. his other sniff. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a moment you see, like, him sniff, and I'm like, I've heard that sniff so many times in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a very Harry thing to do. Yeah. But it was, like, it was quite cool in as well, because it made sure that the shot wasn't just, like, a straight shot of them just staring yeah. quite very important very important note there um, uh, okay so then we they get put on another ship um and the way they get to it they're climbing up these i guess because that's because those ships couldn't get close to the mole right so they were they took a smaller ship to get onto the big ship and they climb up sort of this netting right um, yeah that's right because it was one of, yeah, because it was the ship that they were on that they used to get to it is in real life called the Medusa, but it wasn't actually there in, mm-hmm. in the real Dunkirk, oh. but it's an old warship. So then they take that to get, because that one can obviously get closer to the, the beach. Um, 
And then, so what happens when they're climbing up this? Does one guy get stepped on? But it kind of looked like they were, like, purposely pulling him down. I didn't really understand what was happening both times I watched it. If I'm honest, I didn't understand it fully myself, even though I've watched it four times. I keep trying to work out exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. I assumed at first that it was, he was trying to climb, but he was so exhausted that he kind of fell flat Mm -hmm. and injured his hands. And then they, the other guys kind of pulled him down to, like, get him off the rope um but I I don't know actually I I need to watch it again like on repeat yeah I I can't I think I feel like it's purposeful though that that we don't know like Mm -hmm. it's that confusion again that you you Mm -hmm. can you can write that away in in saying that actually in the moment like would you know what's going on around you would you really understand Mm -hmm. yeah and and, and, the other characters don't really care they like Tommy and they just they just want to get up and it's like well that's not me so I'm just gonna keep going yeah, exactly. Um, so they get put on this ship, and it's it's such a weird contrast where there's these, like, nurses handing them blankets and life jackets, and, like, there's some bread with jam, and it's almost, like, too good to be true type of thing, where, like, oh, you're all okay now here, like, put on this life jacket, even though I think in their heads the soldiers know that they're not fully safe yet, um, but I, I just especially because they'd just seen the that one ship go down. But it was it was weird to, like, you know, have the them act, like, the, the people on the ship trying to really comfort the soldiers and, like, make them feel like they were going home when that necessarily yeah. wasn't the case. Well, it was very, very British in that they were, like, there was tea, there was toasty <laughs> jam. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, like, like you say, it was, it was kind of homely and it was a bit premature, really, in homeliness. Mm. And I love I loved hearing um, Harry and Finn talk about this scene where they had to eat the bread with jam um, over and over because obviously when you when you're filming you don't just do scene one scenes once you do them a lot of times so like the amount of bread <laughs> they're consuming and Harry said he didn't find out about like the spit bucket as in like often when when actors film scenes where they're eating they'll like eat it and then spit it out after the scene's done so they don't actually consume the bread he said like they ha- <laughs> he didn't find out about the spit spit bucket till it was too late <laughs> so- it amuses me even more because you imagine like Harry's such a like health addict yeah yeah. yeah, it's not something that he'd actually choose to eat about twenty times. <laughs> so it's like bread like, okay. and jam. Afterwards, he's like, "Okay, so I've eaten this many calories of bread and jam. Like this, I need to go <laughs> run like five miles to get this off." <laughs> That's probably why we saw him running around Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Like working off the jam and toast. <laughs> I love that when he's eating it, like he's stuffing his cheeks so full, it shows literally like, how yeah. hungry they are. Like. That puffing cheek is like, I am starving. I'm going to eat as much bread as I can. He looks like a chipmunk or something to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, well. no, it, it was really cool. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he chews very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when we got that, because we got this scene, like, a little bit before the movie came out. And everyone, yeah, really... like, was freaking out so just was like, him, like yeah, this is all bread. we had to go off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, gets, a, gets an Oscar for his bread chewing. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and his sniffing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is also where we see, as we said, the nurses, the few, few women who are in the film. Um, and I know I saw people, like, some people complaining that there weren't women in the film or something like that, or, like, there weren't as many um, but then other people were like, you need to calm down. This is, like, about historical accuracy and stuff. Um, but I, I did think it was kind of jarring, like, 
to see the women because that it like wasn't there were no other women like in any of the other shots or like very very few um so i thought that was interesting mm. where you see this sort of snippet of yeah. of I nurses the here. only way that they could have like included more women would mm-hmm. have been either by having more of the the dunkirk um residents you know who were fleeing shown mm-hmm. but then again you wouldn't have focused on anyone right. yeah or they would have have to have gone for that really old overdone thing of there's a there's like a wife or someone back home who was yeah. like waiting for them and you, know, you don't want that in this film that would have mm-hmm. been so jarring yeah yeah I, th- I mean it's like not a not a not a big deal I don't think if, if people are wanting to um I wanted to know and this I was going to do it for an audible but I found there was no audible uh recording of this book for world war one I, I read a book called not so quiet and it was all about the nurses um, in the war and their part of World War One, and I thought it was really good. So if you're interested, I mean, obviously this movie's about World War Two, but if you're, I read that book for school, um, and I thought it was really good. So Not So Quiet is um, a good one to find out more about the nurses. Did you read anything about like the the women in the war when you're doing your research? I didn't really know. I mean, there is. I think there is a book that is has been created which is about the women and their involvement in Dunkirk which would be quite interesting to read um but I didn't really I didn't pick that book out because obviously I didn't think it'd be any use for this film because I knew that there wasn't any actresses involved Mm -hmm. um but in the future yeah I'd I'd quite like to read like a little more about what was going on because Mm -hmm. like but when you when you think of women I know that in the Second World War, obviously there were women who actually did take part in the, I think it was called the Auxiliary um, Force. There was like a women's regiment, if you like, and they mm-hmm. had different jobs that they did. Mm-hmm. But there was, if, that you mainly think of the women who were back home and they were like helping to build the, right. the Spitfires and whatnot going mm-hmm. on in the factories. Yeah. Um, you don't really think so much of like them actually being out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, obviously what you do see is that there were nurses there and mm-hmm. obviously the nurses are being killed and that in, in the same um, conflict of what's going on. So it's, I'm glad that they did show them, Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, mm-hmm. but I'm also glad that there wasn't a major focus because there's already enough characters going on mm-hmm. and they didn't need to like have that extra character. Mm-hmm. It could have been, it could have ended up like a, a, if they had included like a woman from back home, they could have messed it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then um, this is when Gibson doesn't go down below deck and, um, sort of, I guess Tommy's character, well, Alex goes, what's wrong with your friend? And Tommy's like, I think he's trying to find a way out in case we go down. Um, but finding out later on that Gibson's actually French, do we think that he wasn't going down because he didn't want to drown? Or do you think it was a combination of that plus like maybe not wanting to get found out? Like, could it, could this be some foreshadowing to the fact that like, he wouldn't have been able to talk down there because he would have been found out. You see him when he when he goes down, um, you see him like let out a sigh, like mm-hmm. a let out a deep breath as if to say, oh my goodness, I, have, I don't know how I've got away with this. Mm-hmm. I've made it this far. And I do think you're right that he was trying to avoid the other soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as Tommy's uh, like assumed that he's doing that like he's looking for a way out he is just trying to stay away and because he's made it this far and he's probably thinking like what do I do next yeah because when I land on the other side they're gonna know that I'm French like what do I do yeah um but yeah I just think but again he doesn't speak a word but Mm -hmm. and and Irene's 
acting is like amazing. Like he, mm. the, the way that the light and everything reflects on his face. I don't know. He, he just does such a like a. He looks the part mm. so well. Yeah. Um, and he's standing there outside, like shivering, shaking. <clears throat> yeah. I thought that was really good. Um. So then, okay. Then we go back to uh, the water. Um. So we have. We have Killian who realizes that they're going back to Dunkirk. And um, again, we have that, the demonstration of the proximity when he goes, like, look at it. And they're, like, literally in the water and he's saying, like, look at Dunkirk. And in the distance you can, you can see. And he's like, if we go there, we'll die. Um, and then he ends up going to, to lie down. And the character Peter, played by Tom Glynn Carney, um, debates about locking him in there. And I was, I was kind of wondering what this whole sequence was supposed to be. Is it supposed to be, like, showing him not really understanding PTSD or being scared of, like, the soldier? Was it supposed to be foreshadowing that he should have kept him locked in there? Um, Because, like, there was no... It wasn't like his dad had told him to, like, lock him in there. I wasn't really sure what this sort of... um, Like, why Christopher Nolan chose it. But I feel like it must have been important because there was the whole thing about him locking him in there. I think he, he was supposed to show that he he understood that he was worried. He was worried about his actions. Mm-hmm. And he, he was already predicting that he was going to act out and be a danger to them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't... The one thing that I... You know, I was talking about not hearing what people said. I wasn't quite sure what Mark Rylance's Mr. Dawson actually said to him. But didn't he, didn't he kind of lie to Killian's character and sort of say... I see your point. We'll t- we'll turn around. Or yeah, something. I think he yeah, said like let's look like over the um like the direction of the boat. What did he call it? Like, yeah, yeah. So like, I think Peter's obviously realised that he's been lied to, which is also then gives more fuel for that anger that's right. inside him. So he's thinking, I I want to protect us. Mm-hmm. Mm. If he's going to lie down and sleep, if I just shut that, then that'll be it, hopefully, and we can get rid of him, you know, on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just to show the fear and kind of the, that he that he is a clever character that mm-hmm. he that Peter knows that there's something wrong there that could trigger. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was so stressful too, it, it like really- that. It was just like just like the tiny moment, like when his hand was on the lock, and just like kind of like him trying to figure out if he mm-hmm. wanted to or not. It was just so interesting because it mm-hmm. wasn't like a big battle scene, it wasn't a big war scene, it wasn't like a fight or anything, but like the tension that was like created from that tiny little moment was yeah. like unbearable. We need, we need to praise like Tom Glen Carney again. Like yeah. I know we keep, but I feel like we've not said much about him. We've said about Mark and we said about Barry and mm-hmm. and everything, but he played that role really well as well. Yeah, he like, really did. And, and you could tell. Yeah, sorry. Go. No, you go, you go. I was just going to say you could tell that he was slightly older than than um, George. Yeah. I think, but but still, like there was a bit of like vulnerability and, and innocence there in that he yeah. didn't quite, you know. But he he was very understanding. That he knew, he was very clever. I think as a character. Yeah, and and also knowing too that he lost his older brother and like he wants to protect and like and you see too he takes on because. Um, Mr. Dawson has to drive the boat. He sometimes has to be the one, like, doing things around the boat, whether it's, like, getting the rope or, like, you know, yeah. making decisions, helping Killian get down underneath. Like, he sort of takes on a little bit of a leadership role, too, which I thought he did really well. 
I thought he actually really became that part in that, like, I actually believed that he'd been working on that vault for a yeah. long time. Because mm. the way that he just casually, at one point in the film, he just, like, jumps on the top of the deck and, like, runs across to the front. I was like, wow, like, I would be walking really nervously <laughs> across, yeah. on top of water and everything. Like, yeah. he, he made it look like he definitely owned that shit with his mm-hmm. dad, you know? Like, he, he it really, like, I believed him. Mm-hmm. And that's all you want from an actor. So it was really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then, so then we have, um, then he ends up, lo- or no, George, this is where George says, is he a coward? And Mr. Dawson says uh, that he's not. And he also says he may never be himself again, um, which I think stresses just like how much war can change people. Um, and then later on, we see that um, Peter decides to lock him in. And again, this is sort of foreshadowing what's to come. And when he realizes, when Killian realizes he's locked in, he climbs out the window um, and gets quite mad that they're not turning the boat around. Um, and I thought this was a powerful line when Mr. Dawson says, we have a job to do. Um, mm. And just sort of like that feeling of like the patriotism and, you know, they didn't have to be the ones that went out. They could have had the, I mean, like the the whoever take over the boat, the Navy take over the boat. Um, but he feels like this is something he has to do and it's a job that they have to do. Um, yeah. I mean, that decision that he made to, to do it himself, mm-hmm. I think it kind of shows two sides. And the first thing is that that ship that he's on, that's little boat, means so much to him. That it's, it's his, you know, like he's saying, he's the captain of this ship. Mm-hmm. But also, like we say, the kind of foreshadowing of like the fact that his son had been... Um, killed in the war and he's this is him like this is like the this is it feels like this is how it was meant to play out that in his in his memory in his name he he will go and he will save men in you know that because he couldn't save his own son yeah exactly um and he also says men my age dictate this war why should we allow our children to fight it um and again you don't know at this point that his his child did did die in the war um, but it's, it is so true. And I think that's a really powerful line too. When you see sort of like, cause he is a, one of the older characters in the movie, um, compared to all the young men and just that contrast of him being like, you know, he, he isn't necessarily that innocent kid who Peter is or, um, George is, he seems to be more weathered and know more things, but he's doing these things less out of like wanting to be a hero or, like, wanting to, like, maybe not as educated about, like, what war is really like. But he's, like, doing this because he has his own reasons and he thinks it's important. Yeah. Um, and this is where, also, I think I've sort of grouped these together, even though I think it was interspersed with other things going on. But I felt it all sort of fit together. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so we have Killian trying to take control of the wheel, and he says, like, see if you're calm when you get torpedoed. Um, and so that's sort of where we find out what happened to his boat. Um, and, and this kind of part is a little unclear, but it seems like George sort of hits his head in the scuffle of Killian trying to take over the boat. And I know mm. when he, you see him lying down on the ground, there's sort of like a pipe sticking out. I didn't know if he had hit his yeah, head on that. Yeah, there was like some kind of metal uh, iron thing there, wasn't mm-hmm. there, that he, he managed to look like he whacked his head on. Mm-hmm. And it only takes like a, a bump to the head. And like, as you can see, it can cause a lot of damage. So yeah. I think 
I think that's all that's literally has happened is that he's he's as he's fallen he's whacked his head on that mm-hmm. and um and actually is this yeah the occipital lobe which is the one that um is for the seeing and stuff is right at the back of the head too so that makes sense um that he fell and hit the back because he says he can't see um um, so yeah, so he, he gets quirt, hurt quite badly, as you can tell pretty much right away, and... Oh, and he's, we need to mention he's whimpering. Yeah. Like he, oh, gosh, like everyone, and I think in whoever's watching the film, when you hear that whimper, mm. again, you just want to give him a massive hug, and mm-hmm. just like, it becomes, it's, it's like, even though he's 17, um, as we find out at the end, he feels like much younger, he, yeah. you know, you just, there's like a small child in, in that that lad's body and you know you just want to like you know you want a mother and don't you look mm-hmm. after him yeah so and at this point too there's like you want to be able to like reach for a parent to be like what can I do but obviously Peter's dad is driving the boat so Peter sort of has to be the one and to like take care of him um and it seems like they're friends would you guys say that that they were friends beforehand even though Peter seems older um like it seemed like they knew yeah they were they were like mates yeah, definitely. And he, it's, it's that maturity that, mm-hmm. that Peter shows again, that he completely takes charge of the, the situation. Mm-hmm. And and again, like you can tell he's young, but he, he there's something that, like, even though I think they, they are like friends, I think, like you say, he's more like an, a, a very protective, like older brother kind type. of yeah. brother type. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the type of vibe I got. It felt, it felt like almost like George, like it seemed like, like kind of like the older like, a slightly older guy in the neighborhood that, like, you, like, George might want to, like, look up to or, like, kind of impress a little bit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so I thought, and then Peter says, I think he's saying, like, he knows in his head that this is really bad, but he's trying to sort of comfort George and saying, Mm. he's saying things like, like, I need you back on deck when you're ready, like, you're gonna be okay. Um, and George then says, I can't, and then it sort of pauses, and then it says, he says, I can't see. And I thought that was just the, the few lines and the way that, that yeah. Barry delivered the lines, I thought was so, so good. Like, the, yeah. I can't, because you think he's almost saying, I can't get back on deck, but it's like, mm-hmm. but it's pretty, I, especially that first can't, it was almost like he knows that he's going to die. Like, I can't, and then I can't yeah. see. And you're like, well, it's just. Both us and Peter, so both the audience and Peter, that's the, the very moment. I think before he says that, we're still thinking, this is bad, but like if they bandage it up, right. I think he'll make it. I yeah. think he'll make it to the end. Because it's not, it's, it's like the way, this is what I appreciate about this film, it's not a big bombastic way of killing someone. Yeah. Um, you're not used to the idea that someone will slowly just die from a head injury like that. Mm. It's usually that someone gets struck straight away and then it's like this big dramatic death. Yeah. But no, but the fact that it's such a quiet death, mm-hmm. like, is what is so effective in this film. In, in mm-hmm. all of the loud noise and the bangs and and the shootings and everything going on, that there's this this young lad who's just literally just hit his head and and slowly is, is just losing his life. And yeah. I think that's that's so effective in this mm-hmm. film. Yeah, and it's just it's just a head hit. It's just a head bump. It's like. It wasn't like he was shot in battle. It was like a scuffle, and you don't even realize it's happened until he's whimpering on the ground, you know? And he's not even, like, managed to... They've not even reached Dunkirk yet. Like, mm-hmm. they've not even... 
not even taken soldiers on board so he's not even been able to fulfill that kind of hero yeah. hero you know hero like i'm i have come and helped and saved yeah. he didn't even get to, to join in with that mm-hmm. and it's just like again it's just it's just supposed to be sad it's supposed to be like he didn't even get the chance and but you're supposed to realize then that that's actually the case for a lot of people who were yeah were kind of involved in this yeah totally it definitely reflects that because it's like the the guys and we hear Harry talking about it like we didn't even do anything like what did we do you know and that's that's the same with this this the George he like didn't even get there mm-hmm. yeah um so then we go back to the air and I guess I wanted to talk about the relationship between the two pilots flying because at this point um one of the planes goes down who was it was Collins that went down Yep. Um, and you see um, Tom Hardy looking for his friend and kind of like he looks a couple times like out his window to see what happened to his plane. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I really noticed that, that he was looking for him. I don't know if there was like a sort of a military reason for that or just because he wanted to like make sure his friend landed okay. Um, what did you guys think? I think he did, yeah. I think he definitely was just making sure he was okay. And the problem is, like, because obviously he's he's driving fast in this plane and all he can see is that Collins' hand is waving out the window mm-hmm. and he, he's, he thinks that's it and he sort of waves it back, doesn't he, or something. Yeah. And and then you don't find out till later that actually he's sticking his hands out like, oh, my God, this is an opening. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, but, yeah, like I love, I like, in the little that we see of them, you do get the impression that Hard- uh, Tom Hardy's farrier has, has become quite, um, I wouldn't say like fatherly or anything. I'd say like he was just, again, protective of, mm-hmm. of Collins because them two had become like comrades. They're, they're yeah. looking after each other. They're doing the job together. Yeah. They're a team. And to lose a team player like that, but he wasn't just a team player to him. I think he, it, you would imagine that these are the kind of things where, you know, that they would after the war want to meet up and mm-hmm. have a pint at the pub and, mm. and catch up on old times you do get the feeling that they've got to know each other yeah. even if they even if they haven't really been like I mean well, I assume that they would have been face to face on land and everything mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah their just, story's an hour long you know they they took off and would have seen each other right probably yeah they probably would have like been based together in the same place and everything mm-hmm. but it's it's you, you just get that feeling of like but, you, but when the first one goes down, this you can still tell that it's a very professional kind of mm-hmm. relationship that they have between them. And you would have that distance in because you wouldn't want to get too close to someone who... Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't think that the the age, um, you know, age that they'd lived for as a, a pilot was very high. Mm-hmm. Like they must have they must have always had that kind of distancing. Yeah. Like, he gets over it pretty quickly, Farrier, doesn't he? He continues on. He doesn't yeah. worry too yeah. much about what's happened to Collins. Yeah. And I, I think that is, like, that back thing where they're like, I'm not going to worry about that. Right. I've got to get on. Because yeah. this is how we work. This is war. You know, the mentality like... mentality of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we go back to Tommy and Alex. Um... We have, so this, this happens and this was a bit confusing. You, you see, it goes from Gibson's perspective where he's like kind of looking out at all these little boats on the water and there's a lot of shouting going on. Were they saying like a torpedo's coming, a torpedo's coming from the water before we actually see it? 
No, um, I think they they were like the boats that Killian was on with like the the other soldiers, uh-huh. and and it looked like what had happened is they'd already gone down on a ship, and this was like the lifeboats from the ship. Okay. Um, and they was like sailing towards the boat and sort of shouting, you know, hey, you know, can we come on board? You know, they they were hoping like please don't leave us you know we we need a boat as well they didn't want to go back they didn't want to go back to Dunkirk and then have to go again right right um mm. and so I can't imagine but the exact words but that's basically what it sounded like they were saying that like okay. you know come back for us you know right, like yeah. let's let us on um is, is there room for us and yeah so it's definitely like the same boats I'm sure that that Killian was on okay so then then we see the torpedo actually moving through the water, which was weird, because you sometimes feel like that's not even, like, you it's just going to hit, and you're not going to know, but, like, Gibson can see it moving through the water, um, and you hear, that's when the person, someone on board, shouts, like, torpedo! Um, and there's this... It's so good! It's like, again, you don't actually have to see the submarine. Yeah. Like, they could have been, they could have been really cheesy with it, and done this underwater shot of, like, a... A, a submarine mm. coming towards them. No, you don't need that. You just need that little trickle of water that was on the that, that quiet kind mm-hmm. of. It seems so like it wouldn't do anything. It was just like, like just yeah. like drifting through the water. But then the immediate chaos that that when it hits and like how much damage that one little trickle can do. Um, yeah, and it's so quick, and it's like so. But with the speed of it, it takes your breath away. It's one of them where you you, you forget to breathe while you're watching it because yeah. it's just like whoa, 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 you know. And the confusion of the shot as well of of the soldiers in inside, mm-hmm. where it just goes straight underwater, and you can see that Tommy like gets hit on the head by someone else. Mm-hmm. And I, for a moment, I thought, is he going to get knocked out? You know, yeah. like. It, yeah, because it it's so... just like there's so much going on, and you could imagine even those like. In in our own lives, we've been in spaces where, like, it's been busy, you know? And that can be really stressful and confusing. But imagine being, like, underwater all of a sudden, so many people, so many limbs, things flying around, hitting you. You can't see anything. Dark as well. Yeah, yeah, really dark. And you can't, and you have no no way to breathe. All of a sudden, just, like, immediately. You just don't, and and throughout, too, the way they, like, would do the cameras, it was so hard as a viewer, too, to tell which way was up and down, and you can imagine that's yeah. how they were feeling as well. Did it seem to you as well that Tommy was looking for Alex? I don't, I don't know. I felt like he was looking around for the light, maybe? I'll have to go back and watch that. Is that, that what's, that's, you picked up on that? Yeah, I got the impression, I think, straight away, because... Alex was quite a tough, like, soldier. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, sorry, I just realised, I said, when I said Alex, my, um, I've got one of them Amazon Echoes. <laughs> and, oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to, like, start asking questions. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, when, I've got, yeah, so I think when Tommy meets Alex, he, he sees Alex as quite a more, like we say, an experienced soldier and I think he trusts him in that mm-hmm. he thinks that if there's any way of getting out of here then Alex is kind of the one, the one with follow. the knowledge and the one who's, who would get them out mm-hmm. so I feel like in that situation when he doesn't know where to look he's trying to find where Alex is and what Alex is doing because mm-hmm. I got the impression that he was following him like 
it wasn't like the other way around at all. Like mm-hmm. the lead, Tommy, was following Alex. Like mm-hmm. he was looking. And um, but then obviously we see Gibson outside opening up the the um, well, struggling his way first to get to it, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. To, to the the opening thingy and and turning that. And then when they do see the light, then I think Alex follows um, Tommy, doesn't he? And that Tommy sees the light and goes straight for it. Interesting. Ah, I didn't uh, pick up on that. So it's like, um, I just thought as well, the one thing that I wanted to say about that scene is that the way that the lights are flashing, mm-hmm. as the light on the ship is going on and off, that mm-hmm. is so good. Like, it's so creepy. Yeah. I absolutely. I think you see that again. Like I keep referring to Titanic, but you. There's obviously going to be if you're going to yeah. mention a ship thinking. <laughs> I think it does that a little bit in that, and mm-hmm. it's just it's so it affects you because it's so spooky. Yeah, it's really spooky, and it works. Like of all the ships that sink in this film, like that that night scene is just mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it 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 really was, and I love the moment too when Gibson is kind of on the he knows the boat's sinking and he has to decide whether to go to the hatch and open it up or just like save himself. There's like a moment of like, do I what do I do? And then he goes and opens up that that door, and it makes you feel for him. Like I mean, we already did, mm-hmm. but as a character, once you see a man save others you then become attached to that guy, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Want him yeah, and he hasn't even said a word. Like, it's just so amazing. Like, how, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so, this is, so they end up getting out. Um, and... Um, There's that dramatic scene, isn't there, of, of Harry as he, uh, sorry, Alex as he pulls himself out. Yeah. And we've, we've got, a, there is like a, a video clip of that in a trailer now, but it's like, his the, his teeth and everything. He's like really like pushing his yeah, weight out of. I think ship. you can. Can you hear him like go or something? Like he like growls <laughs> or something. I remember. <laughs> I remember, but I just love the way that his hair is like soaked through and like mm-hmm. all over his forehead and everything. It, it just looks really cool. That shot yeah. of him dragging himself out and the angle of it as well. You can see like the ship is on the angle because yeah. of the way he pulls himself out. Yeah, and he's like the last one out as well, isn't he? I think I, I don't know. It was, I it think, was yeah. It was and and straight stuff. after that, you, it shows you inside the ship again, and you just see the last glimpses of of people inside mm-hmm. who are just about to drown because mm-hmm. yeah. it just goes under, and like that's so effective again. But it's like really shocking to see and claustrophobic to watch, and mm-hmm. it is so good. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, and then and then it jumps right to like when they're like getting they're trying to get into the boats with Killian and that that I think I don't know how it was set up because I I brought this a bit out of order but like the jump from like Killian going from like sort of her, killing um George and like having sort of uh like a attack um then to him being totally calm and collected on this other boat where he's like, there's no room. Like he's like this very put together, like guy. Um, I thought that yeah. was very jarring, and the contrast. And I love that you see him first. You know, after he's like experiencing the shell shock, and then yeah, has- rather than the other way around. Yeah. yeah, that was really effective. Yeah, and again, no, this is that scene where I said I don't get how my friends didn't realize that it was this, it was him. Mm-hmm. But it just shows that he played the character yeah. so 
differently between mm-hmm. the two scenes that for some reason like my friends even though he looked like himself right. they, they didn't click that mm-hmm. it was him so I don't know what happened there but like I say it just shows that Killian is so good at playing the character as the same man but as very different yeah such different characters so, yeah um so then we have so they get dragged into shore um and they i love how this shot where they are so tired they collapse and go to sleep like right in the water they're not even you know all the way up yet did you notice as well though before that that um anirin's character gibson he chucks the rope out at the yeah, back of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the boat because again, he's just saving like what he sees as his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Because like <laughs> they're obviously saying, "Save your energy, we'll come back for you." Yeah. And he's thinking, "No, I'm not leaving them there." And, and then the other soldiers in the back of that boat see him do that, but they don't say anything. Yeah, I was so they wondering just let... about that. They just let it happen. Yeah, and so obviously they them two have been dragged all the way back because mm-hmm. um, they grab hold of the rope. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I thought that was really again we're seeing the kind of character that Gibson is in that yeah. he's still trying to help those those men that yeah. he's that Aww, is obviously Gibson's so good. <laughs> uh, and and also too then we see later on with the men trying to get the boats back out because they said, Oh, we'll come back for you and then we see the men trying to get those little dinghy boats out into the water, but the tide's coming in so much that they can't. So if if uh, Alex and Tommy hadn't been dragged back in, they would have died, I think, because the other men floating there wouldn't have been able to to get back. To come back and get them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, you know, like, so when they come back and, like you say, they're asleep on the... There's this shot, right? And I don't mean to be um, such a Harry fangirl about this, but, you know... (laughs) When he gets up and he, just, and he looks up and there's this like bit of wet sand yes. which is like going down his neck. It's, like, <laughs> it's such a superstar like moment. I totally noticed that. <laughs> it was a good scene. There was like two drips of like sand and his neck looked very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just got this strange face, you know, where he's like, he's just woken and he's just like... He wakes up like three times in this movie. We see him like wake up so many times. <laughs> That's so true. How exhausted they were. But like his yeah, I just love that shot of him. Yeah. And then he just sort of obviously that's when he spots the Highlanders. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Hold on, when have we missed the part? When was it that they the the three lads see the guy who goes into the water? Um, this is this is coming up, I think. Um was it a- I think this is, yeah, this is right around here. Where did I have of, Oh, yeah, I say, wa- I say watch the man go out to try to swim the channel. Yeah, because that's straight, again, that is straight from a veteran's um, information because oh, wow. I, read, I read this. I remember, like, it was August last year. Um, I was reading the book um, Disaster to Deliverance by Sinclair McKay, I think it, the name is, and... In that book, it had this guy called, I think he's called, he was called Vic Viner, and he was a um, veteran, Dunkirk veteran, and he was saying that one of the things he witnessed um, while he was there was that there was men who were going out and essentially committing suicide by mm. walk, walking into the water. And as soon as I read that, I, the trailer, the first trailer had just come out, mm-hmm. so I sort of was saying to people, like, whoa, like, 
this guy who's walking into the water or walking towards it. I wonder if this is what's going on, that it's mm. just what this man saw. And it was really weird because, like, when I posted that quote, the, the, the poor bloke, um, the, the veteran, actually passed away, like, a couple of days later. Oh, wow. um, but he had been working with the Dunkirk team, it, it turned out. Wow. And he was one of the ones who they'd spoken to. So oh, I wow. then assumed, then I started to think, I bet that scene will be in it. And then, yeah. of course, we saw it later trailer so this has come straight from the mouth of a veteran in that this is what he witnessed and so again the attention to detail of just Mm -hmm. putting little shots and it's so effective again because they're not getting up and like going to try and stop him are they they're just kind of watching him and Mm -hmm. knowing that they're just watching this man who will not be able to swim across the channel you know Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen and he's just going to die and they know it and there's just this dread on their faces so it's so real and like mm-hmm. you know it's amazing to see when you've got that bit of back detail and you know that a veteran has actually said that's what they saw it's, it kind of like really adds to it mm-hmm. yeah it's really powerful yeah wow and they just sort of sit there and it's almost like this very empty feeling too of just like there's nothing we can really do um, yeah and, and it's again that scene is to show that there was these men, a lot of them were sat on their speech for days before they got anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that, that is supposed to, again, just sort of show the progression of time while they're there, mm-hmm. that they're just sort of sat waiting for, for the inevitable, really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so then we see them making this homemade pier thing. Um, and this is where we find about the tides. Um, and I feel like does this, this homemade pier seemed too real to not be real. Did you read anything about them doing this thing with these the, the, the trucks that they used? Yeah, there's loads of photos of the, the, the pier that they made. Um, so yeah, they literally just drove the trucks into the, onto the sand and put planks of wood across the top so that they could form another pier. So it, it's really clever, mm. and, it, and it really happened, which is, again, mm. like, a, a, again, the detail of, that's gone into, like, the thinking of this film. Mm. I mean, they don't make massive use of it in the film. They show it being used, like, once after that, yeah. but they wanted, they wanted to do it because right. that's... If you look at the pictures that the Germans took when they arrived on Dunkirk Beach, you can see the trucks in the water and the, and wow. the row that they've done. It's, like, really, like, well done, the way that they've made the film. Wow. And and this too offered up the opportunity for them to talk about the tides being not every three hours, but every six. And I think there was confusion. Who was it? The guy said, well, it's good that I'm Navy and you're not or something. Because he didn't know when the tides, which comes in play later with the the boat that Alex and Tommy are on. Um, And also the the way that they sort of said, how do you know? When that guy, when he was talking to the guy and he says, how do you know? And he said, because the bodies are coming back. Mm, and that was God. like really and you just see this guy who's just waiting for his exit just just casually pushing this dead body away from yeah, him geez. and it's like it shows you that it was so normalized by that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. because they're not they're not freaking out about it they're just literally just like moving a, a dead body a mm-hmm. person away from them like they were just pushing a rubber duck away or something yeah. it was really like kind of really effective again mm-hmm. and it was like when um like later on when um george passes away when harry then like the all the soldiers are on and kind of like not even 
acknowledging that there's a dead body there and just kind of like, oh, that's just like, you know, another dead body. But it's like we've become so attached and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Peter's so attached, obviously. And like we get to like see like the humanized aspect to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, we do see when that happens. It was quite a nice moment where Alex just puts the blanket yeah. over him, but then and then just slowly pushes him to the side. But then, like you say, after that, it's just a body on the, and it's it's just the way it it brings it home. And then one of the things that Dunkirk has been criticised for is that people are just not realising that this is more the truth than it is the romanticized version of war mm. yeah. and I think a lot of people are used to that romanticized version and they're not they're not seeing like how kind of bleak and kind of without the blood mm-hmm. like again there's not much yeah. blood in Dunkirk mm-hmm. but even though even though the what the soldiers said they saw was like blood across the sands they're not it's not doing that because they wanted it as accessible as possible for us to watch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I would have been revolted you know watching gore and blood you yeah. don't need that all the time it it all it does is the psychological side of it all that, and that's and that's enough to scare mm-hmm. you and and make you understand like the fear and and what's going on in each of these guys heads mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah definitely and yeah, I totally agree. If there was so much blood and gore, it would have seemed more like a fanfare type thing rather than like like in those moments where people did get wounded, it was still shocking and still scary. And like just even just the drowning scenes, like no blood there, but like completely horrifying. Yeah, I think almost sometimes when there's an overuse of blood, it almost becomes like normalized and almost mm-hmm. becomes like, oh, just like another person dying. But like when I don't know. I just feel like they, when it's psychological, it's like so much more haunting, and like every death is so impactful. Yeah, definitely. And like, like you say, it's just—it's not glamorizing it. It's, yeah. it's just richly, just as it is. You don't need to see the red to know mm-hmm. that it hurts, and yeah. that's that's really what Dunkirk does so well throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. So then we have—we also find out through the like Kenneth speaking. Um, about the British saving their destroyer ships and the planes in case Britain is attacked, Um, which obviously we know historically doesn't end up happening, but at this point, like, the fear that, like, like the whole Britain is going to be completely invaded. Like, I mean, I Mm -hmm. I guess it was bombed with planes and stuff, but, like, like possibly get taken over by the Germans. Um, that yeah. fear that it was very much in them. Yeah, and it's that desperation. I mean, like we we didn't cover um, when Mr. Dawson's talking to Killian's character, and he says, you know, he says you should be at home, and he said there won't be a home if right, we yeah. if we let this happen. Mm. So, you know, they they know that they're not just fighting for now; they're fighting for mm-hmm. what's going to happen next. Yeah. and mm. and like that's so important, and we know like. I know it didn't actually happen. We didn't get invaded here, but we we did get the Battle of Britain and everything mm-hmm. that happened afterwards. Um, so everything, every decision that they were making, it's like I say, like the way that you see that every little boat that took men off of that beach mm-hmm. um, changed changed the course of like the future. Because mm. even like if one man hadn't survived, I was like saying like if my neighbour hadn't had been shot and killed then, like, his grandson taught me at school. You know, it's, it's just mm. little things like that that it changes the course, and it's yeah. so strange to think that, like, one odd move that, that happened 
yeah. back in 1940. You know, if one of them ships had sunk that didn't, you know, it's, it just, everything is so important mm-hmm. and could have changed the course of the war. Yeah. So, yeah. and that is very much on their mind that mm-hmm. we need every single man that we can get off of here mm-hmm. because what's coming next is going to be even, even worse. worse. Yeah. Um, so then we go to um, Alex finding the Highlanders and he sees this group walking by um, and he sort of leads his trio to the group um, and they're heading towards this abandoned boat that has run up on shore um, and they think it's only going to be a couple hours with the tide because someone says it's three but we know previously from the other people talking that it's every six hours mm. so um, yeah they're, they're yeah. on the ship and they find out that it takes longer than they thought it would be um, and this is where Harry says the F word. <laughs> and I know, I think, did he say, apparently he said it three times. I specifically noticed this one, but, um. Twice I, I think he says it. Okay. Yeah. Another, someone else mouths it. And, um, in, in the script though, Tommy was supposed to swear as well. And, um, he doesn't in the film, which I think was actually a good idea because yeah. I feel like Tommy's innocent for that. Yeah. <laughs> Hair is the hard, like, roughened one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so then we have they're in this boat. Now, this scene, this was so creepy and eerily done, mm-hmm. and just really effective. And also, just kind of like this, you sort of realize that this is just like one little group's circumstance. You know, mm-hmm. like very much like there's just this one little group of men gone onto this random boat that they found. Um, but like similar things are happening all over the place and everyone else has their own little story to tell. Um, but they're on this boat and they're getting fired at and Tommy's the one who realizes that it's target practice. And I love, love. Oh, so smart. Yeah. I was like, yes, Tommy, you're very smart. Um, but it seems it's like he's he's thinking about it, whereas they, the rest of them were like panicking. He's yeah. trying to always think of of the better way to do it rather than just be the tough guy and get up and like think that you can just sort out the situation by fighting back. Yeah. So he, he again, it really shows his character. You you don't get many words from him, mm-hmm. but throughout the film, you feel like you get to know him really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and because yeah, so I was saying the other boys I noted down, they just seemed like. I mean, all of them, including Tommy, they're just, like, scared and don't know what to do, and they're hiding in this boat, and it was like, they are trying to escape and trying to find a way back for themselves, um, and you definitely get that kind of, like, lost and confused, and just physically not being able to look out the boat, not knowing what's going around, I think it represents sort of, like, the bigger picture of them being enclosed on Dunkirk, them being enclosed in this little boat, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then as the water starts coming in, their their boat is getting flooded because of these holes, and they're trying to figure out how to plug it. Um, and the captain comes back, too, and he's Dutch, I think. And Yeah, he is, yeah. Ha- would he have come over then to help save them? That's, that's what he said, right? He was coming to help pick them up yeah. or something? I mean, I think part of the, not to, like, take it out of the film, but... I think part of the reason that they included a Dutch character was because they filmed in the Netherlands and they wanted to include a Dutch actor to like make it, you know, make sure everyone's included. Mm But, um, but they obviously the Dutch were on our side and everything. And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, he's just supposed to be just another kind of civilian guy who's, who's been on his boat and trying to help people survive. 
because there were other other nations and that involved like i know that there was at least a few polish ships as well mm. that were trying to get people off and and everything so it was quite a cool way to show that it wasn't just british mm-hmm. doing that yeah that was that was really good and 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 also like created that um the the differences of different like you had the different languages and the different accents coming together and like trying to communicate between um different people yeah and then obviously the dutch and the germans like they've got quite a similar accent so mm-hmm. you can imagine that straight away they were panicking like yeah. and i wonder like if he did turn out to be german like what would have happened what would these these young boys because all the guys in that little boat we seemed quite young like what would they have done yeah. you know well i, I think to be honest i don't think they 100 percent know for sure if he's telling the truth but all they care about is the fact that this guy can captain the ship and Mm -hmm. they want to get out and there's no reason why this guy would need to like stop them yeah on his own he's not going to do much he wasn't he didn't have a weapon or anything Mm -hmm. so yeah so So, yeah no i was just gonna say like i just imagine that they just made the decision in their minds that we're just gonna have to believe this guy Mm -hmm. because we Mm -hmm. need to get out Mm mm-hmm um, so then the water keeps coming in, um, and Harry or Alex decides that they need to lose weight. Wait, is this before or after the guy gets shot in the face? I don't know if I put that in here. I think the guy gets shot first. Yeah. So, so yeah, that I think that was an example very much of, like, you did not need blood or gore for that, and it was still terrifying. Every time I know it's coming, because we saw it in the trailer, it's like, uh, it's just painful to watch because you know he's sticking his head or like his eye into the the gun hole shot, and you just know it's coming. Ugh. Yeah, but that- you can see also there's a couple of times within that kind of conversation that they have between them where the Highlanders are turning on Harry uh, on Alex a little bit mm. because there, there's a couple of things where he comes up with an idea and he'll say something like we need to plug the ship or whatever, and they'll say you know okay then you go do it you know like you go do it yeah yeah. <laughs> So I think he, he has a point to prove as well in, in the way that he behaves afterwards in mm-hmm. that he's trying to be like the leader and the, and save himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so what happened to the guy that got shot in the face? Like, he seemed to have not died or did he die? Cause I think I he died. I don't know. We don't really get to see yeah. because there's so much panic afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I just think we assume that. He just goes. Yeah, that was, and also them trying to cover his mouth so that the Germans oh my can't God. hear him. Oh, just very chilling. Um, so yeah, then then they they're like, we need to lose weight, pretty much, off the boat so that they can float. And like realistically, I don't know if any of them were thinking straight, and there was this more this desperation because water is flooding yeah. in. The water is water weighs so much, and kicking off one person is not really going to do much. Um, but that's the say like Alex has this goal in his head that they need to lose one person so like he goes someone has to get off so the rest of us can live or whatever. Um, it's like it switches something in him and yeah. it's just in that desperation he just he's not entirely thinking completely straight he's just thinking of a way and mm-hmm. if that way works then it works mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and we have Alex who's going like I mean not Alex uh, Tommy who's who's kind of more logically going, like, one person might not do much, and then the other guy's well is like, well, you're going to be next, or whatever. Um, and I thought this was interesting, 
Um, I guess, well, I, oh, I guess that was later, but, um, yeah, so, so Harry sort of gets, he, he, he comes up with this thing that Gibson is a German spy. Um, yeah, I love as well that he uses the word Jerry, he's like, he's a Jerry, because Jerry is the nickname that was given, uh, much like I was saying, like, the French are the frogs, you got, mm. you got Jerry is the Germans. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Because in the old Dunkirk film, if you watch that, they're all constantly just saying, Jerry's around the corner, Jerry's mm. on his way. And that, that, that's because they're just referring to the Germans. Oh. So, yeah, so this, again, doesn't seem logical, but it's like, oh, here's a great excuse. Let's pretend he's... A, even though he probably knows that he's not a German spy, he's like, he hasn't spoken. Like, I can get this sort of... I can, I'm, I probably can rally these guys behind this idea and, like, also, he rallies behind it. It's not like he's just, like, yeah. pulling this out of anywhere. He rallies around this idea that Gibson's this German spy, and it creates that mob mentality of, like... Yeah, like the scapegoating. Yeah. Like, well, I think that, but I do genuinely think that he's suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, think, and I think it's just that, again, that idea that... Because they're so kind of, um, you know, the claustrophobia and everything. Everything in their mind is, like, pressuring him to... to second guess everything around him mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. constantly trying to survive and therefore he noticed I mean it wouldn't have worked in any other film because with the amount of chatting that would have gone on they would have realised a lot earlier that yeah. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. talking yeah. but the way that Dunkirk plays out and there's not much speech it, mm-hmm. it means that it, we're able to kind of follow Gibson all the way up to this point w- without any speech and mm-hmm. it only then be brought up then yeah. Um, which is quite a clever way. I don't know if it would work that way in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of them kind of movie things, but it, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Um, but the way that he starts guessing, I think he is genuinely suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see the suspicion building and building. And, and he, he, the way he gets his gun and he's literally ready yeah. to like, and him up them steps, he's like really kind of and you see this is like harry's shining moment mm-hmm. in the film because this is the moment where everyone's like whoa this isn't harry styles from one direction this is <laughs> this yeah, yeah this kid can act you know like yeah. he he really it's really his part of the film and his impact and mm-hmm. um the whole scene yeah. is just and every word of it and the stress on his face mm-hmm. uh, this is He's one where really i can yeah. Yeah. I can't wait till we have it like on DVD where we can watch this clip like many, many times in a row to really get a feel of it because it happens so quickly that it's like hard to absorb everything that's going on and like appreciate everything that Harry is doing. So I can't wait to see this one yeah. again and again. Because it's like Chris Nolan's been saying. He's been saying like the thing is, you're watching a character turn on a character that you have grown to like mm-hmm. like we've been saying so much oh we love gibson you know like he done this and he did this and he did this we're essentially watching a man turn on him yet weirdly we don't come out of that hating him mm-hmm. and and the way that both nolan and anyone involved in that scene has made that work and like made it so that we still really like him after that is like i don't know how they did it because it it was really well done it was really yeah. really like well balanced yeah, it was. It was so good. Because I think they build this thing of, like, the desperation and, like, you're in war and you're doing things that you wouldn't necessarily do and you're trying to survive and you're confused and lost and you you just need some way to survive. And if that means, you know, killing someone else, then that's what you do. 
And also there's a thing of like, we have a moment where like, is he a German spy? Because we don't know. Like, we're not sure. So we're like, oh, is he right? Sorry, there's and he's not, and he doesn't talk, case. does he? He, he doesn't no. like. He's not replying. Yeah. And you, you kind of say you can. I love how like Tommy turns to Alex the uh, person. It's yeah. like, don't be daft. Yeah. Um, he's not, and and Harry's uh, Alex is obviously like sort of saying to him, like you said, um, someone's got to get off so the rest of us can live. And mm-hmm. he's kind of like looking at them, like, what the hell? Because Alex is thinking with his head, and he's he's not thinking with his heart, and mm-hmm. and. Tommy is like a very heartful. He's like, this isn't right. This isn't yeah. just. And then when he sort of turns on and he says, like, you would be next. Mm-hmm. And and Alex sort of says, we're regimental brothers, mate, just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's true. Like the Highlanders are kind of grouping together against mm-hmm. Tommy and and Anirin and uh, Anirin Gibson in that point because they're trying to like, you know, that's how it works. We we have to team up with the strength, the strong mm-hmm. ones, and and get rid of the weak. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way we're going to survive. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so like again, every little detail of this film, if you pull it apart, there's so many different things going on in there that mm-hmm. makes it work. There's so much thought that's gone into that. Yeah, definitely. And I love too when they're saying like, um, when Harry's like better him than me, and Tommy's like he saved our lives. And you remember back to both of those times that Gibson mm-hmm. saved them. Yeah, and then that the guy who says, I mean, he's he's an actor who's been on British television before. Um, he was in a, in Shameless here in the UK, and um, and he he's like quite a known face, and it it just made me giggle at like, the way he then goes like, and he's about to do it again, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> like you know, yeah, that was like, <laughs> God, I mean, you shouldn't laugh because of, but it was just like the way that yeah. it was said. Yeah. I thought all of them, extra, like them other actors who were in, in the boat with them were really good. Yeah, they were. Um, and then also this part, I wasn't sure if I'm correct in this, but how Alex is saying, like, if, like, if Tommy's, or I think, was it, yeah, Tommy said, if this is the price of going home, then I'll live with it, but it's wrong. So is he saying, like, is is that what you guys heard too? He's saying, like, you know, even, okay, I'll accept that we have to kill him, even though I disagree with it, but if it's the price of going home, I'll live with it? Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. So he's giving in to the, yeah. he's panicked, he's panicked by the idea that they're saying he'll be next, I mm-hmm. think, and and he's, he's, he'll say he'll live with it, but you can tell on his face that this is, this is poor, innocent Tommy being thrown, probably, mm-hmm. like, not for the first time, because he's seen a lot going on, but mm-hmm. this is him seeing the realisations of of war that I feel like we from what we're seeing we should know that probably Alex has already dealt with situations like this before Mm -hmm. because I mean like if you look up the Highlanders that he was in apparently they had a lot of losses on their way to Dunkirk so Mm -hmm. you you kind of you can tell that there's a reason why he's quite tough and quite Mm -hmm. he's already been through this this is just war for him he already know he's been through this and unfortunately he's made sacrifices of of other people possibly mm-hmm. or like oh he's had that in his mind before mm-hmm. where it's, if someone's in danger then you know it's just the way that it is and he I think Alex gets that more than Tommy and but Tommy's just you see that kind of development of where mm-hmm. he's like I don't like this but I have to this is it, it. Yeah. this mm-hmm. is it I'm just gonna have to go with this mm-hmm. yeah it is it's really jarring the decisions that they have to make and that they have to just sort of deal with it Mm -hmm. um so then we have 
eventually this boat sort of comes off, I guess. It, like, shakes off the ground. I suppose that's what happens. Kind of unclear. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's, they're trying to stop Alex, though, at the same time, aren't they? Yeah. You can see that they think he's about to, like, shoot him or something. They, they, they seem to be just trying to stop him, and they all fall back into yeah. the back end of the ship. Yeah. And, um, and then it comes off, but then they're trying to plug the holes as well. And I'm also going, like, you know, there's so many holes to plug, but it's almost like they have this sort of mindset. They've got this yeah. mindset. If they plug these holes, they can get home. If they like, if this one boat's going to take them home, when in reality, the boat is not going to be able to make it across the channel. But it's like they're in the mindset of like, this is how we're going to survive, you know. But it, that was terrifying because they were like, literally, um, they're putting their hands where the bullets are going. And I'm yeah. thinking someone's going to get oh shot God. in the hand in a minute. Oh. And it's, I mean, with the amount of bullets that were going off, I'm surprised more of them didn't get at least a, a little bit injured. Yeah. Uh, that was the one thing that kind of jarred me a bit. I thought surely one of them would at least get shot in the hand or yeah. something. I mean, to, to put um, your hand or your whatever over a bullet hole just totally freaks me out. And also what you see while that's going on is you you see the boat in the distance and Kenneth's um, Commander Bolton and, and James Darcy's um, women are, are talking again and they say, they sort of say, look, there's a um, a bullet, you know, that there's a ship over there being attacked. That mean, But when they see that, they know that the perimeter has come in more. Oh, yeah. As in the Germans are even closer and I think that's when he says, this is it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so you, you see that perspective as well, that, mm-hmm. that that ship becomes significant because by seeing that taking a fire they know that they're pretty much going to be doomed soon Mm because the germans are well on their way in Mm -hmm. yeah i i didn't even pick up on that i didn't realize it was the same one um so then what do we have so then the water i think it jumps around but i clumped it together the water comes in and we have very similar sequences that we saw on the big boat where you know and, and it happens a number of times, both with the planes. We haven't gotten to that part yet, but um, just always the water coming and trying to escape the water. Um, and this is where they decide to abandon ship. Um, and, yeah. and we've already seen this from Farrier's point of view. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Because we've we've already seen men jumping out of a ship. Mm-hmm. You don't realize at the time that that's the ship that yeah. they were on. Whoa. we do yeah one of the things you see it quite early actually that farrier flies over Mm -hmm. where you can see the big destroyer ship you've got the little boat that they were on Mm -hmm. and you can see like the other boats coming yeah he he sees it all well before it happens Mm -hmm. again this is that whole thing that you need to watch it again oh god okay (laughs) i'm so stressed even thinking about seeing a second time but yeah i definitely need to So this is, so they're all getting off. And I thought this was interesting that Alex just like, I'm not Alex, um, 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 uh, Tommy just like gets off and not really like making sure everyone else got, got off. Cause I would think that was more his character to make sure like, uh, Gibson is with them. Um, but oh, him, yeah, true. Alex ends up turning around and like tapping, uh, Gibson to tell him that they're getting off. Um, I thought that was such a brilliant yeah. It's, it's that little redemption moment, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Like he's you kind of, and the saddest thing is that he does it a bit too late because yeah. he doesn't get that. Or get, and no one kind of kind of work out exactly what happens to Gibson. Like, does he get caught on something? It looks like there was some chain or something he got caught on. Yeah, and you just it's that very slow and like. Yeah. 
the hands all you see is his hands Mm -hmm. again it's quite like a kind of not poetic but like you you know it's it's not a big dramatic death Mm -hmm. it's just the slow the the moment his hands stop yeah and it seems so unnecessary it was like no but why couldn't harry help him out of the chain like why did this you know it was it wasn't like he got blown up by the germans it was literally like he got caught in a chain you know like why did it happen why and you know, like the one thing that you can praise this movie for as well, in, in in a weird way, is that none of the characters kind of question what happened to him yeah. afterwards. They don't have that really like moment where they sit down and they're like, "What happened to Gibson? I wonder mm-hmm. if he got out." Because they, they don't have time. They don't mm-hmm. have time to consider that. They're already they're just knackered. They've got themselves, and they just have to assume yeah. that whatever happened, you know. Yeah. So the. In any other film, I feel like there would have been that really kind of cheesy moment, moment where, yeah. yeah, where they would have just been discussing something that we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it's just that it knows that the audience knows, and that kind of is all that matters. Yeah, it treats us intelligently, which I've you've got to praise it throughout the whole film mm-hmm. for that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get, this is when the ending is picking up and the timeline gets a lot messier because, like, the overlap starts happening where it starts to become one story. Um, and we have, um, so now we're back in the water and, uh, this is when we saw the plane go down way earlier in the movie, the, what is it, Colin's plane go down, um, and now this is where Mr. Dawson's ship sees it. And he's like, watch for a parachute. Um, and he seems so determined to go get this guy out of his plane. Because um, he's like, he might be alive. We might be able to do something to help. Even though Peter is kind of not convinced. Um, mm-hmm. And again, knowing that he lost his son from who, who used to fly planes. Um, that that determination to save this other guy sort of to not make up for his son, but to, you know, do his son's death justice. And the way he delivers that line, like Mark Rylance, where he's like, I hear you, I hear you. You can, you can feel like the emotion building in him. They have to kind of like, it makes so much more sense again. Once you, once you know, Mm -hmm. but when you watch it again and you know that his dad, uh, his dad, sorry, his his son had passed away. Mm -hmm. He, that moment he is going, he's not going for Collins. He's going for his son. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's trying to save him. And you look at Peter's face. Mm -hmm. Peter knows that's what's going on. Yeah. Like he, you see on his face, the understanding that his, he knows his father is like taken over by this idea that he's going for his own son. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that just gave me shivers thinking about it again. Um, <laughs> um, and they, they end up do saving him. So the guy, he, um, uh, Collins couldn't open the hatch, even though he had opened it earlier on the way down. So what what is that when he opened it and then shut it back up? Why would that have been? Because I think at first, isn't he deciding whether or not he's going to jump out of the plane? Oh, okay. like they're, like they're looking for they're looking for the parachute mm-hmm. but then he, he then he closes it and he says to farrier um i'm gonna you know ditch it into the water because the, oh, okay. the swell isn't too bad you know I've, i might have a better chance okay okay i didn't pick up on that so then but then the hatch doesn't open once he lands in the water and it's that desperation again that we've seen so much throughout the movie about the water coming in and he's trying to break through the glass and he can't do it and you see him trying to you know breathe the last bit of air and if it weren't for 
Mr. Dawson being so persistent of going to see if they can save him, um, then he would have died because Mm -hmm. um, Peter is able to break through with some part of the boat. And also the clip of him in the boat, uh, sorry, in in the um, Spitfire, in the water, and as it's kind of, there's there's a video um, that I watched like years ago and it's still on YouTube. It's like the 10 worst like disasters caught on camera or something. It's it's from like a history channel. Mm-hmm. And there's this clip and I, I don't know if it's an American pilot or something, but it, there's this, it's quite a famous clip apparently of, of he's on his plane and he lands it on like one of the ships, you know, that have got the landing strip on it mm-hmm. and, and the plane goes off the end and oh, no. and he can't get out. And it's like a real, like real footage, mm-hmm. and it really brought me back to that. And I wonder if that's something that maybe Nolan had thought of or anything, because oh. you just see this this guy who's who's stuck in his plane and he mm-hmm. can't get out, and it's sinking. Oh. And it really like brought me back to watching that video. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It's like quite a, obviously it's quite a disturbing like set of videos, but it's like a really it's they're all historical like video clips from mm-hmm. like the early black and white footage mm-hmm. um so yeah I don't know if that was intentional or not but it made me think of that yeah um but also the one thing that I wanted to point out is that one of my favorite lines in the whole film is when um he gets out and he swims up and he looks at Peter and he just goes afternoon <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah Again, it just feels like a really British thing to say. Mm-hmm. Just to be like, mm-hmm. Afternoon, <laughs> you know. That, never mind what's just happened. Yeah. Wow. So, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's little moments of that, like British humor throughout. Going um, on, and I, I came out of this film, by the way, absolutely loving Jack Lowden. Like he plays. Oh, he's so attractive too. He's, he's attractive. <laughs> he's attractive. Also, he's a, he plays the character really attractively as well. He's, yeah. He is Collins. Like, it's it's amazing what he's done with this film. And I feel like he stood out just as well as Farrier, like mm. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Or if not better, you know, he... I, I loved the character. I, if, he's one of my favourite characters in this whole film. Mm. Um. So then we have... So, again, we have the... This is skipping forward a bit, but... Um, Peter has uh, Collins go and look at um, George to see if he's going to be okay and he um, he pretty much says like I don't really know what to do I'm sorry I can't help you've done the best you can um, and Killian asks if he will be okay and Peter says no he will not be like he's not going to be okay and at that point, I think this, you don't know yet, but this is going to contrast the later moment when he tells Killian that he is okay. Um, yeah. I think you can straight away see that affect Killian's character as well. Because mm-hmm. doesn't he, like, turn and sort of he ends up just looking over the edge and yeah. sat quietly in, on the boat. And, like, you can yeah. tell that that, in, that that has made things worse for him. And he's already in a very bad situation. But now he's got this extra thing on his shoulders mm-hmm. that he's just killed an innocent boy. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know. Yeah. And, and Peter sees that, too. Um, so then we have the Kenneth. I'm just going to call them Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have them talking about... They, there's this really beautiful scene of you see all the boats coming in uh, into Dunkirk, and um, oh, that 
like the way he plays it the, uh, his eyes are watering yeah. and it's it's so wonderful and the soundtrack in the background is mm. um is is it elgar it's it's like an old um variation of, a, of an old classical song which is very known and coincidentally this the original track plays in the background when um when kenneth branner was at the 2012 olympics oh, and he really? and he was when he was doing a speech when to open the olympics wow as a character as a, that music is playing in the background like if you look it up on that's youtube so interesting so like it's quite funny in a way as well because of that because that's a big proud british moment in mm-hmm. itself but um but yeah it's just like the way that he kind of is he just slowly you don't know what he's seeing because they're worried at first aren't they because there's like yeah. little dots on the wall and he just looks up and brings the binoculars down and it's just kind of like home mm-hmm. yeah and was- like yeah i just feel like with the additional historical like knowledge and that like with the thing that we did with skylark and everything i felt that emotion of when you saw the boats mm. coming because one of the main ones in that that scene is an old uh, royal national lifeboat institution boat lifeboat as well oh so, like cool. you can see warner brothers actually bought it it was like an um sort of really prominently featured it so for me, it was like, oh, this is everything together. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. You know? And yeah. some of the, the, the ships, sorry, some of the boats as well that were involved in the shooting, um, a lot of their owners follow me on Twitter. So oh, it was oh like, wow. That's I know, so cool. yeah. I was like, I know them boats. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. Wow. It's, so, it's actually so sad in a way as well. But I was like, <laughs> no, that was, is awesome. I felt, I felt extra pride because it yeah. was like I know these boats. I've wow. seen these pictures for these a year now. These boats are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely was like, it's so cool because like I've known, I've been, I've been interacting with these people who own these boats for like mm-hmm. a year, and to see everything together, that was like the big pulling it all together moment for mm-hmm. me, because it's got that extra emotional thing. Like I said, because I could recognise the, the lifeboat and uh, yeah. stuff like that. It's Amazing. really cool. Yeah, because yeah. it was already such an emotional moment. Like, I was, like, my heart was, like, feeling so much. And, like, I can't imagine, like, having an extra layer of emotion. I'd just be, like, a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, it, it, it interests me because, obviously, this whole film, I thought was quite reliant on the fact that you kind of, it had Britishness to it. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, while you were watching it, you're, you're not British. So, you don't actually have that emotional connection to mm-hmm. necessarily what you're watching. Yeah. Um, but for you to have also felt like that kind of pride did mm. you like as, as yeah. these people come in to kind of rescue and they were civilians and like did you get that understanding did you for oh, sure. yeah, totally yeah I loved like you got those up close shots of like you had the old men the men that looked like they were fishermen you know you had the yeah. sailors you had women yeah. that one shot of the woman like standing very like strongly um I feel like it, it, you were thinking, like, were these men that had fought in the First World War? Mm. Like, the, yeah, just, I don't know, the, uh, it was so cool. And also when, when they reached the boat and you saw all the the soldiers cheering for them, it almost was like that reminiscent of when soldiers come home from war, where they get that, like, big welcome home. But it was rather the soldiers welcoming home to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That was it was brilliant. It was yeah. just that uh, there's a few times in the film, like we say, where you have that cheering going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just like probably three occasions, but like this one was 
just the big it focuses on just this one guy on a just the, the, the big destroyer ship mm-hmm. waving just really enthusiastically waving at them mm-hmm. and it's I, I don't know it's just really it might have been a bit over the top possibly like in terms of how real it was but it felt like you had to have that moment mm-hmm. because it's everything had been so dark yeah. for it it was like this moment where everything's being lifted up and mm-hmm. there's a possibility that we're going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really emotional and kind of like, you know, the, and Kenneth, like I say, even though it's such a, his character could have been so basic because all he is, like you say, is he's coming out with all of this technical information. Mm-hmm. And, but he makes his role so likable and so... He's, again, one of my favourite characters in this whole film because of the way that just by, with his again, with his eyes, yeah. the way that they just watered and, like, he just looked, the pride on his face. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that moment, like, yeah. one of my favourite moments of the whole film. Yeah, it, he, he's such a good actor. He portrayed it so well. Um, and also, I love, like, all just, just the amount of time that Chris... For Nolan spent like, <laughs> looking at each person like it just felt like you knew that they had their own story even though you didn't know it each person had their own story there coming to rescue like we we just followed Mr. Dawson but there was hundreds of Mr. Dawson's you know yeah you sort of I feel mean that. I'm glad you kind of thought that because the one criticism that I had of this film was I thought a little bit somewhere in in this this part I thought it lost the scale a little bit because it was being so intimate with with some of it. Mm-hmm. I I felt like it only looked like twenty boats rather than I, I felt like it didn't necessarily show that there was like until the end when like you see some later scenes, it it lost that kind of thing of that there was four hundred thousand men and that there was eight hundred nine hundred boats because mm-hmm. it was because it was so focused on that little group. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I I it worked though. You know yeah. like. I, that's that's probably like my one criticism out of the whole film, <laughs> you know. And that's pretty good then. Like, yeah, exactly. There's always going to be something, isn't right. there, that just yeah. doesn't quite sit right yeah. in my mind. But oh well. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then we get to Mr. Dawson's boat as they're picking up the men, and there's this whole rush of, and, and Collins is the one who says you're getting into oil. Like there's the rush of getting the men onto the boat before. Um, the oil lights on fire, um, and you have, and and that's when I also love when you see Collins looking up to watch his friend flying the plane, yes. and trying to get the German plane before it it bombs the big boat that's there, or like bombs it again. I, I just love it the way he's like, "Come on, come on, come on!" Yeah. And I love again because he's like a Scot, he's Scottish himself, Collins, and like, but his accent like really works with the with everything that's going on he's, he's got like kind of a little tough edge to him as, as well mm. um but he he's just like such a good character I could like I could spend hours just talking about Collins I yeah. loved his character yeah he was he was really great and to know he's still like watching this happen and, and it wasn't like it wasn't yet that they had completely even though his plane went down like he hadn't he still is following his friend in the sky um, and like you know who's yeah. up there. Um, so then Harry's on the boat. He gets he gets brought on the boat um, early earlier out of him and Finn. I guess is the only one left, um, or Alex and Tommy. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't think we actually see him bored as such, do we? We just yeah. see him in, when he turns and says he's dead, mate. Yeah. When he sees, yeah. Um, which again, like he, because they all look the same, because they've all got oil all over right, them. Yeah. You can't, um, you can't necessarily point him out. So maybe we do see him come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's we don't because obviously he's holding on thin, isn't he? But we don't realize it's Tommy mm-hmm. because again, they all got oil all over them. Yeah. So when when Collins is going like go 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 because Farry has managed to shoot down the plane but the right, plane yeah. is about to like to go down, down. Yeah. we don't realize that it, that is Tommy holding on mm-hmm. and you're just hoping it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah so then so we sort of mentioned this whole the he's dead mate and then Peter's like so be bloody careful with him um, first of all. Uh, the, who plays Peter again? What's his name? Tom Glen Carney. Yeah, Tom Glen Carney did such a good job here. And Do you know the cra- the craziest thing about him is that he's from like where I'm from around oh, here. Oh, really? And like he, the college that he went to, like where he studied drama before he went to drama school, um, is a place called Pendleton, mm-hmm. uh, Pendleton College, which is, and I I live like a ten minute walk from Pendleton College. Oh wow. And I actually, my when I went to sixth form, which is like when you're 16 to, to 19, um, I stayed at my school, which is like the next school along. Um, but they then, Pendleton took us under their wing. So I, I had to go to Pendleton College quite a lot um, for different things. And I would have been going the same time he was there. So it's weird. Like, oh weird. Yeah. And he's only like a year younger, I think, than That's me. That's so strange. So he... I'm, for all I know, I could have like walked past him. I don't know, but oh, he, I, you know, like, um, so it's weird to like know that someone who literally just went and did like when he was 16, 17, went, went to school like up the road from mm. where I live, and suddenly he's like acting opposite Harry and this massive blockbuster. It's like crazy. Yeah, that's really strange. Pretend that you did pass him. You can tell people that. Yeah, I totally went to school <laughs> with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange because I can't remember I searched um when I searched his name like I, I I won't say like it's still there now or anything but it came up with like a Facebook profile and I was like what and oh, I clicked on weird. it and he he has like mutual friends and I was like oh, oh my, my god, god this, this is weird That's so cool. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't add him I was like this is like too far I can't add him hairstyles <laughs> friend <laughs> <laughs> It's a show like a small world, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but yeah, he does. He does a great, great like job in this film, mm-hmm. and people people come out of this loving Tom Glen Carney. If you notice, like of the ones who've gained fans, obviously Finn has gained a lot of fans, yeah. but Tom Glen Carney has also gained a lot of fans. There's a lot of like new update accounts for him really? and stuff going up. Oh, that's so cool. And I think as well because that's come out of the fact that despite the fact they've not really done interviews together, you can tell that him and Harry have got on really well. Yeah. Filming and, and obviously they've said it's because they were both Northern lads. Mm-hmm. You gotta got stick well. together with your group, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going back to what we were saying about the camaraderie yeah. and everything. Yeah. But you can tell that them two have got on really well. So mm-hmm. um, that was another side of like during filming and everything. It was quite cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we talked about, um, what's his name, passing away, and how Harry's sort of 
the one to say that. And and we have this shift again where um, Peter, when when Killian asks if he's going to be okay, Peter says yeah, and he's sort of kind of protecting him from knowing the truth of it. And you see the eye contact between Mr. Dawson and his son, and like kind of this knowing glance of like I understand what you're doing, like I respect that or whatever. Um, which I think yeah. the body language and the acting was so good there. No, definitely. Um, and then as they're moving away, Tommy is revealed to be being dragged along and he says, take me home at one point. I, I know I wrote that in the notes. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly when he said it, but it was on, it was on the boat. <laughs> we, we saw it in a trailer as well, which surprises me. It's one oh, of those things like, I don't know how that ended up in one of them. Mm-hmm. It was one of them TV spots or something, but mm. it was quite a spoiler in a way. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so cool. But then the thing that you, you didn't mention, um, while this is going on, so obviously the plane hits the oil mm-hmm. and the flames come up and we see that Scottish soldier oh, yeah. underneath the flames mm-hmm. and he, he just doesn't move, does he? He's like, it's just like he's stunned and mm-hmm. stuck in one place and he comes up um, and ends up burning. And mm-hmm. the, thing, the thing that I, I've not properly read it yet, but I was reading a bit of the conversation between um, in the screenplay. There's a conversation between Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan, mm-hmm. who, who's also like a big director and everything. And um, he, they, when they were talking, what they mentioned was that originally Gibson was supposed to burn to death. Really? Oh, whoa. Yeah, he was supposed to be the one who was under there and ended up going up into the flames. And apparently, in the initial discussions that they were having. Um, they decided that that was too cruel, like mm-hmm. for for that character, mm-hmm. because we had got to know him and, and love him. They wanted it to be a more quiet death, so mm-hmm. they drowned him instead. <laughs> I mean, not oh, that it, but you can imagine like it would have been quite harsh, yeah. a thing to do to someone who we'd grown to care for. Yeah. Um, Especially because so you, you see the character, yeah. the the actor in that moment. He's sort of. He's looking up and he's going, like, I need to breathe, but also I see flames above me. Like, I don't have a choice. And you can see it in his eyes. He's just kind of like, he's like, well, I got to go up because I need air. And he knows kind of like he's going to he's gonna start burning. Yeah. And it's the one place where you would not expect to burn, mm-hmm. isn't it? In the yeah. water. Yeah. And it's like, that's so frightening. Like, it's not even something that I would have ever considered. Mm-hmm. But the fact that obviously I knew that they were going to be covered in oil and everything because we saw it during filming. But like, I, I you don't even consider the fact that the oil in the water could then set fire and mm-hmm. and cause a fire on top of water. Like yeah. that is shocking yeah. to even to think of. Yeah. Um, and then this is where we find out too that Mr. Dawson had a son that went down, um, and he flew hurricanes. What did that mean when they say flew hurricanes? It's just another type of plane oh, okay. that instead of the Spitfire, it's just another British aircraft. Um, but it says like he only lasted three weeks. Yeah. So he, he died three weeks into the war, which mm-hmm. I thought was really kind of like struck me as yeah. wow. And again, shows the danger that pilots are under, mm-hmm. considerable danger compared to like possibly the others in that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this, I mean, the, the one thing that you don't learn about so much in the film is that they spent a long time in France, some of these soldiers, basically not really doing much because mm-hmm. it was like they called it um, the phony war in that 
nothing really happened for a very long time and they were just kind of just getting to know the French communities and that where they were and it just was like nothing was ever going to happen and then it all changed very quickly after that Mm -hmm. um so that's just like another element that kind of you you kind of think about in the background that suddenly and then all that's happened but like so they these soldiers have not been under considerable danger until like a month before you know as Dunkirk began to happen yeah and I think that adds to Harry's character too like saying, yeah. like we haven't done anything. We haven't done anything. You yeah, don't see that and, too much. But you kind of imagine, though, that that like maybe the pilots were going a bit further afield, and possibly mm-hmm. like there was more. I don't know the full story of like the RAF, but well, these soldiers were just kind of lounging around in France, as as it were. I can imagine that maybe the pilots had had a bit of maybe I don't know, like what the hurricanes would have been involved in, mm-hmm. but. There could have been supposedly more danger for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Dunkirk, I think Dunkirk was their first major kind of battle that they were kind of involved with. Because mm-hmm. they said that the, the German planes were more, like the German pilots had more um, experience because they had already been like within danger. So they didn't really know what the Spitfires would be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it all worked out well. Yeah. And yeah. Um so then we have so then going to the planes then we have um Ferrier who's um as we know his fuel was running out and he makes the decision at, at multiple times to not turn around and go back and he wants to continue fighting and then he continues on his um like the the backup fuel or whatever it's called um and he once he bombs that German plane um his fuel ends up running out and at this in this part is very drawn out um the ending of this and the sound of the engines cut and it's very eerie because it's so quiet now and um you see him just sort of floating almost it's almost like this little peaceful like moment where he's floating across the sky taking it all in and like the music is kind of happy and it's like it's this weird peaceful little moment um where uh he's just kind of watching all the soldiers and the soldiers end up cheering for him and waving and whatever yeah i also need to say as well like some people think that that scene where um his spitfire is flying over is like some kind of green screen thing but no they actually filmed a spitfire obviously it's not tom hardy in the pilot seat but they filmed a pilot in a Spitfire going across Dunkirk Beach like that mm-hmm. with they literally a helicopter flying above it, you know, wow. filming that. And so what you're seeing, I mean, obviously things have been edited because there's modern buildings and that in the background that would have needed taking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would have added some of the extras in or because a lot of what you don't realize, like these big extra scenes, a lot of them were the, the soldiers you're seeing were actually cardboard cutouts that they were oh, holding. That's like, so weird. <laughs> Things like that. So, like, there are little digital things changed, but mm-hmm. for the large part of this film, what you're seeing actually happened. Like, they filmed it as it is, and that's incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it you feel it because when you watch a, a movie that's fake now, like when you watch some digital thing, it just doesn't live up to the same yeah. standards. Yeah. And this, this, this is why Dunkirk, it, scenes like this in Dunkirk and everything, these scenes will like live on for another 
people will still be watching this film in like 50 years time mm. and instead of going oh my god look at them rubbish special effects yeah because they'll be going you know this this movie's really cool it, yeah. you can imagine actually this is what dunkirk was like mm-hmm. yeah totally so, it is it is really cool and also knowing that it's real like that it was actually happening too is nice I mean, viewing yeah. it too, but knowing that the actors or and that they had people doing that, it's cool to just have that background knowledge as well. Yeah, um, and it's the whole the whole scene of like you say, it's so quiet, eerily quiet, mm-hmm. and he's just gliding over them. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time, though. You know, like I said earlier, um, I mean, there's a lot of scale at the front at the start of the film, but I thought it lost its scale a little bit. But then when when it gets to that end scene then suddenly you're seeing how many ships are on the on mm-hmm. the water and how many soldiers are on the beach and that's what it needed i think after yeah. I, like i said it got a bit too intimate but then i thought like that really showed the scale of it again like mm-hmm. this is a massive massive military disaster basically yeah um so then we go back to we have them getting off the dock so alex and Tommy and them have landed back in England, um, and they're getting off um, on the docks there. And there's this little quick moment that happens where George is being carried off on a stretcher, and Peter like sees Killian sees see see that, but Killian quickly darts away and like doesn't like watch like doesn't confront it, but he like has realized that George did die, um, which I thought was just like a really small detail that you might not catch. Um, yeah but like again if they don't make a big deal out of yeah. these things they just they're just little details the little glances mm-hmm. that you can appreciate more when you watch them again and again mm-hmm. and we have all the men sort of walking heads down they look ashamed they look their body language really speaks a lot um yeah and, and the, in- the interesting thing, though, with that scene, you know, when they're, they're getting off the ship and everything, um, I, I mean, I've not really noticed, you know, because of the way they filmed it, if, if they tried to show, because uh, basically um, Finn Whitehead wasn't there when they filmed that scene. Oh. Um, he had to skip, like, some of the filming. And they used a guy, a local lad, who looked quite similar for, really? sort of back, for back of the head shots and things. Huh. And I mean, we only see a very brief part of, I mean, bear in mind, it took them a couple of days to film that. It's mm-hmm. quite funny, really, that we only see a very brief bit of them getting off the boat and everything. Mm-hmm. But he, Finn isn't there. Tommy isn't, wasn't available. So the way that you don't really notice that he's missing is quite yeah clever, I think. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so then we have Harry sort of voicing that sort of shameful feeling. He says things like... Um, we let you all down, didn't we? Um, he says, all we did is survive. Because there's um, this old man who's saying, like, well done, lads, and, like, handing them, um, like, food and blankets and whatever. And Alex is like, all we did is survive. And he said, that's enough. Um, yeah. He's an old, did you know um, he's related to Christopher Nolan? I think it's his uncle or something. Oh, that's cool. This old man. He's got quite a lot of his family in this film. He's, I think he's, he's, there's other people, cousins and things, that show up. Oh, yes, um, if you're related to him, you get special privileges. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's, he's like, um, he's obviously, because Alex doesn't notice that he's blind, does he? Mm, he yeah. just thinks that he's looking down. Yeah. And that's why we see when Tommy goes past, 
he puts his hand on him, doesn't he, and fills his face. Mm-hmm. And that tells us that he is a blind man. Yeah, because Harry goes, um, Alex goes, like, that bloke wouldn't even look us in the eye. And it looked like he was crying, too, Harry. Like, his eyes are very red at that yeah. moment. Oh, I meant to, sorry, going back a bit. When they're coming back on the boat, I don't think I mentioned, um, I love, like, there's this really subtle scene where Finn looks at Harry, at Alex, and just gives him, like, a little nod. Mm. And between them, there's, like, a, and then, like, Alex just closes his eyes. And that's, like, the little moment where they're, yeah. like, I know, we've, I know we've been through a load of, you know, we had that disagreement over Gibson, but, like, we're I good. still respect you. Yeah, we're yeah. good. We're fine. Mm-hmm. And... I, but I, I noticed though that even though Finn, um, Tommy knows that he's blind, that guy, he doesn't correct mm-hmm. Alex at all. He's just more interested in getting himself comfortable on the mm-hmm. train. And, yeah, and he kind immediately of, goes to sleep. Like, he doesn't, like, when Alex starts talking to him, he's, like, already asleep, you know? Yeah. And like you say, he, Alex is just distraught. Like, he's, it's all hitting him that he believes that. Mm-hmm. everyone's he's just let, let down his country but he he's more worried that he's gonna be he's a tough guy he doesn't want like people mm-hmm. looking down at him and kicking him as, as he'd put it you know he and he mentions doesn't he afterwards that people will be spitting at us in in yeah. the street yeah and and again i think tommy doesn't understand where he's coming from and mm-hmm. tommy shows again this kind of innocence and naivety and that he hasn't even considered that what has happened would affect them in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he says he says they they'll be spitting at us in the streets if they aren't locked up and waiting for the invasion. And it's yeah. like he feels as though I think Alex's character feels as though like he's been com- he like he almost is responsible if if Britain gets invaded like he let them down and it was like because yeah. he knows sort of why the reasoning behind it but like. Tommy's already asleep like he doesn't care I think there's a continued theme with with Alex that he overthinks things yeah and but that again it's a true completely true thing that these soldiers when they came back they thought that they were going to be laughed at basically or not Mm -hmm. laughed at but but that everyone was going to hate them because they had completely let they they didn't see this as a victory they saw it as the disaster that it was really Mm um and then this is why this whole scene is is so important because it shows what has init- has become this this saying of Dunkirk spirit, mm. where you know everyone sort of you know it it's just it became something more and mm-hmm. set the theme for the rest of the kind of war and I just think it's Alex's conversation like in in that scene mm-hmm. where he's is one of the most important things in the whole film because he is he's got some really important lines in this film like it really surprised me and mm-hmm. he's alex um, harry has done such a good job of making us believe that character and sympathize with him again because you're seeing him you're worried and you you kind of again he becomes suddenly that innocent one that you want to hug and mm-hmm. say everything's okay and that's despite the fact we've just seen him with a gun in someone's like yeah threatening to shoot someone that we cared about and yeah. it, that this is that kind of that truthfulness and that of that nolan talks about when he says why he cast harry and mm-hmm. the subtlety and do, of it and do you ever feel like it's harry styles because i don't 
I no, was like he definitely takes on the character. Right I now. always forget. I I mean, not always. I saw it once when we were talking about it, but like throughout <laughs> the movie, I completely forgot that. Like, I had to remind myself that it was Harry, and yeah. like I completely got wrapped up like within his character. Yeah, and it just shows that he did a brilliant job of it. And like, I know we we're quite biased because we're Harry fans, but mm-hmm. seeing <laughs> the response that has come from critics and yeah. everything, it's so exciting to see that and it must be for him as well but also it doesn't feel like they're just saying that because it's harry because he put in like his all into Mm -hmm. them the small amount of words that he was able to speak in the film every kind of one had meaning and yeah i just thought it was a great debut as they say Mm -hmm. agreed harry did a wonderful job um so (laughs) so then we have um uh, I guess we have uh, Alex gets this um, newspaper from the kids, which also, like, seeing the little kids was really a contrast to, like, everything, like, these little kids playing, and then the whole yeah. movie's been really, like, dark, um, and he he wants to read this the paper, but he can't bear it, and he wants uh, Tommy yeah. to read it for him. Um, and I love that kid, by the way. I love that the kid's just like one of them normal lads that you see in these old films. Yeah. You can imagine being in this sort of, sort of Oliver Twist kind of thing yeah, going on. Exactly. Um, it's a great little role for that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Tommy ends up reading the um, paper. Hold on, where am I? Um, and, and this is, he, he starts reading the paper, which is a, a speech from um, Winston Churchill that was delivered on the House of Commons on June 4th, 1940. Um, and this is sort of overplayed with like the ends of the other stories wrapping up where Peter goes to get George's picture put in the local paper. And like, yeah. he's sort of that fulfillment of becoming the hero that he wanted to be. You see the plane descending and the wheels pumping and like, um, Tom Hardy's character's sort of story wrapping up. Um, and then as well, the train is pulling into the station and people are cheering. And, um, and at first Alex feels like he can't look, but then he sees that he's being like welcomed back with cheering. And he sort of is like, he sort of, he then at that point sort of stops listening to Tommy and kind of, is just like happy to be welcomed back in a in a way, you know, that shame that was dragging him so much is like there's like a little reprieve of it as he's welcomed back. Yeah. And also, you know, you mentioned about how Farrier is pumping like the, the wheels out of the Spitfire. Mm-hmm. I loved that because again, it's like it the whole thing with the Spitfires is that they weren't presented like some kind of Star Wars like shooting jets kind of things they were mm. literally just like they're so real yeah it's so and it's so like I just love it like it's so vintage and and the way that he's having to do that to get the wheels out was just like mm. a really cool thing that to be shown and yeah I just I, th- I thought that was great as well but the way that it interconnects and it's got obviously because George mentions earlier in the film mm-hmm. he says when he's saying that he hasn't done anything with his life and he sort of says, mate, I thought maybe I could get my name in the local paper or something. And he's talking about how to kind of show his parents, wasn't it? That Mm -hmm. he he'd actually achieved something Mm -hmm. to go to the, so you have to pick up that detail to know that that's why Peter then goes to the local paper and, and gets his, his name in the paper. And again, it's so like a lovely idea Mm -hmm. and 
sort of says local hero mm-hmm. and you just take the feel for him and that's something again that happened there was paper articles about these civilians that some of them that were killed on on mm-hmm. the way back including there was like a 15 year old boy who died wow. in Dunkirk so it it's really true that mm-hmm. there was like young lads mm-hmm. yeah that, that was a special moment to have that like tied up um and then, and you see when Tom's plane, not Tom, Tom uh, Farrier's plane lands, and you see, like, the tears in his eyes, and he lights his plane on fire, and he kind of knows, because he's now in the enemy territory, he knows that, like, that's it for him. Um, and he ends up getting captured or surrounded by the enemy. Um, and I, I suppose taken on as a, as a prisoner of war. Is that what you saw it as? Yeah, I mean... Again, with Tom's character, last year when I was researching, I posted an article sort of saying this might be useful, you know, knowing this because Tom's due to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an article about this guy, I can't remember his name, but he, similarly, he, he was flying a Spitfire and um, he landed in Calais, which is next to Dunkirk, mm-hmm. which, is already, which was already taken. But he, he, I think he crash landed it rather than like landed on its wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, but he then got out of his Spitfire, walked into like the village bit and got captured by the Germans. So I do think there's that that character's that guy's story was mm, an influence. Yeah. And I was actually assuming a little bit that they might do something like that. So I did I did like guess that Tom's character might end up getting captured. But I I love that they kind of you don't even right at the end when he's getting captured you don't see the germans like you just see this kind of blurry mm. you you know it's a german helmet yeah. i mean i assume that you knew that because you must have seen them in other films but mm-hmm. and also did you notice the detail of when we see him you just see four figures walking yeah up in the background about to walk down onto yeah. the beach and yeah. you just know what's coming. Yeah. And it's so good. Like the whole whole of that whole sequence with mm-hmm. Alex and Tommy and Peter and and Mr. Dawson and and Faria is just so effective. It's brilliant, like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And, and with the speech. Yeah, the with speech. the speech. So, so good. Um and now would this speech have just happened? So it was in the newspapers then at that time? So he was reading the real speech, the timeline lines up, I suppose? Um, I don't know if it would have been in the paper that day, but we can let him off if not, because it worked so well. (laughs) It might have been like the day. I mean, it's such an iconic speech. And like one of the interesting things that's happening at the moment is that like there's another film coming out this year, which is Darkest Hour. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. No, I haven't yet. You really need to watch the trailer because it's got Gary Oldman playing Churchill. Oh, and wow. and it's um it's Joe Wright who's done the film. He's the one who did Atonement, mm-hmm. and it, it's all about Churchill's first days in power and how he handled Dunkirk. Oh wow! So it really interlinks. And in the trailer, they feature Churchill doing that speech, and it's like it's so weird that both these films have come out That's in the same year. It's literally coming out in November in America. It's not coming out till January here. Mm-hmm. Um. But if you like, I think what's going to be really cool is once that film comes out, and hopefully it's going to be brilliant because Gary Oldman is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it would be cool if someone did an edit and put it all together. Yeah, because, that would yeah, be really cool. Because it all interlinks so mm-hmm. well. Like, 
but when when we finish with this you should check out the trailer because it's um the film looks great anyway i love joe wright because he directed like i said he did atonement he did pride and prejudice he did um anna karenina um or Karen, i can't say the word name properly but he's done like quite a, really good films he's one of my favorite directors Cool. So I've, I've just opened that up in a new tab. Gonna watch that after you finish this. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that film. And it's got that extra thing now that because it's about Dunkirk as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's about after Dunkirk as well. It'll be like about what happened next. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but because Nolan decided not to show any of that side, which is what was happening in England when this was going on how those decisions were made mm-hmm. it's it's cool that there's another film coming out that's gonna Give actually that background, show yeah that side that's really so, cool yeah a definite one to watch um so then what do we have this is so also i loved um okay so he's reading this speech and it's it's very inspirational um and um when he finishes when he finishes it, Tommy looks up at the end of the movie and you just sort of like see him look up at the camera. And I just wanted to know what you guys thought of the significance of that because it was a really interesting way to end it, I guess. Just like that one quick look up and then it, it like the credits rolled. Yeah, it was just like, it was because I feel like we started this film with Tommy mm-hmm. and we ended with Tommy. I mean, I know he wasn't the first soldier we saw cause we saw them soldiers walking, but yeah. he was the main, he was the first significant character that we met mm-hmm. and he was the last significant character that we saw. And mm-hmm. I felt that was quite significant. Also like it was just, it was just that little quiet moment of reflection mm-hmm. as he finished the speech and he, he's kind of looking up, isn't he at kind of Alex and, and what, whatever Alex is doing at the moment well he's got two beers in his hand and whatever he's eating <laughs> um but it just I don't know I just love you know I just thought it was quite a nice mm-hmm. quiet way to end because it looked like at first it was going to end with the spitfire burning yeah. didn't it and yeah. then it just took us back but yeah. yeah I liked it I liked the way it ended me too um and sorry what were you gonna say I was gonna say like the one thing I don't think I've mentioned I've probably briefly mentioned is I love like how the distinction between Alex and Tommy right Mm -hmm. to the end like they're so different from each other yet they they work so well yeah as comrades yeah and I love the way that Nolan's written them characters and kind of taken them on that journey together from Mm -hmm. from the start to the end despite the fact they have their differences yeah, I totally feel like we could have, like, another episode dedicated to, like, the relationship between them. Because it is a really <laughs> interesting dynamic. And it's that idea, once again, that he hasn't overly done the dialogue and everything. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we're so we able to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Well, it kind of, it directs you into a way of thinking. But there's so much to explore. And, again, it, it's just leaving, he knows that we're intelligent enough mm-hmm. to know what's going on and, and make those decisions and... I, I just think they're so cool, these characters. Like, I feel like not just them two, but I could watch a whole film just about any one of these characters mm-hmm. because I love them all so much. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be, like, fan fiction where people create their stories around it or something. <laughs> 
like, write the stories of all these characters and their background, because, like, we can talk about it and make it up in our heads, but it would be so cool to have, like, an actual story for each of them. You'd want to know what happens next to yeah. them, as well. It's, it's just so good. I mean, it leaves you wanting more, mm-hmm. but it leaves you wanting more in, in the best possible way. It's yeah. not like you felt like it was lacking anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just every single character was just brilliant. Yeah, they really were. And then, of course, the credits come, and we see Harry's name, which was exciting. And the ticking sound comes back, as I mentioned in the beginning. There's, like, these echoey boat floating sounds and the banging of, like, boats in water. And that, like, is when the credits roll. Um, And that, that was the whole thing. The second time around, I watched the entire credits, which was nice. And you really get to see, like, everyone that worked on there, like... Yeah, all the places they filmed, all the people that were involved in the stunt acting and like the planes yeah. and the boats and everyone in charge of that. I thought that was cool, like just l- looking yeah. at all the names. And it's got the dedication as well um, to yeah. the Dunkirk veterans and people, anyone who was affected by what happened in Dunkirk, mm-hmm. which was which was lovely to do. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I think it does a similar mention, but it, it even lists the little ships that they filmed with and and it lists the big like destroyer ships mm. that they used and and it it has the little mention of Michael Caine like I said it says mm. in the special thanks to Sir Michael Caine um little like easter eggs if you mm. like if you're looking through that but it's 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 quite nice to read through them and yeah. um and know that every time you watch a film though it's always the same you think wow look how many people made this because mm-hmm. you only look at the sort of 11 main actors and yeah. think right this thing you realize then well there was some stuntmen then there was the guys who flew that then there's that then there's that and yeah it's so much work and we saw it because we saw four to five months of filming right yeah. and then after that there was all the post-production it's a lot of hard work a lot of money spent mm-hmm. you know and but look what it's created and this film just looks iconic and kind of People say that this is going to be a film that people will be studying in film school for, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> many, many years to come. Definitely. And well-deserved. Yeah. And it's made a huge... I mean, you did... Like I said, it's it's interesting to me because that ending, like, I felt kind of overly proud, perhaps, of, like, because I am British and it's mm-hmm. like, this is my this is my country and this these are my soldiers, you know. But, mm-hmm. like... On your, from your points of view, was did, how did that come across to you? Did it? Did you feel a sense of that kind of same pride, or or was it more um, something else? I, I guess I mean because obviously the U.S. was on the same side as the British, so there was that sense of like the same the same team. I probably it can't live up to what you guys feel because it was like your actual people you know, Kara, what did you But also, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Churchill's, like, speech, like, that was just, like, a very, like, inspirational slash, like, you're gonna feel something, like, some sort of swelling of pride when you're listening to that, because, like, the way that it was, like, the way it was edited, too, to, like, sort of overlay, um, also, um, Tom Hardy's, you Mm. know, like, sacrifice, like, that just, like, I'm not sure if, like, I didn't feel like a nationalistic thing, but maybe just sort of, like, 
for the characters that I've seen on screen and kind of knowing that it was real and like knowing that this is a real speech, I think, yeah. especially. Yeah. I mean, over here, it's obviously doing so well, the film. I know it's doing well in America, but they're saying now that this film's going to be in like the top 25 grossing films of all time. Wow. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to outgross The Dark Knight Rises, which is oh my Nolan's, God. Nolan's biggest film over here. Um wow. And people are saying, like, I don't know if you saw the picture I posted earlier. Someone um, posted a picture of all of the IMAX screenings in yeah, London for the next few days, and they are sold out. Like, it's, That's it's that popular at the moment, and it's it's holding up really well. So if it continues to hold as it is, and there's not much competition coming in, then this film is going to, like, break records in the UK, which is, which is great. So fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, it will make it up there and and, and then it will basically seal its place in the history books, which is wow. pretty amazing. That is, that is really, really cool. Um, so let's skip a little bit of these questions because we've already been recording for over four hours. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, oh my God. Um, so I guess just sort of, what are any any sum up thoughts or like do you see any question here, Sasha, that particularly jumps out to you in the sum up thoughts question that you wanted to talk about? Um, see, I've mentioned which were my favorite characters. So mine my favorite characters were like Collins, um, Commander Bolton, and Alex. I'd say. So yeah. which were your favorite characters? Uh, obviously, Alex was great because. <laughs> his character is really interesting too I think it's a very yeah. dynamic character besides Harry um, I, I really did uh, like um, Tommy a lot I thought he was yeah, really good yeah me too um, Peter too I liked Peter Mr. Do- oh, I'm just naming all of them now I, li- I know I, Mr. Dawson I, I, I like Mark <laughs> Rylance's portrayal me too Dawson. Dawson. I, I just like favorites. felt so much for him and I feel like yeah. everyone on the little the little boat with um with Mark Rylance's character, like, in Killing Murphy. I just, yeah. like, and, and, um, well, I'm blanking on their names. George and Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, George and Peter. I just think, like, those, like, that, like, four set of people, like, I just, I did not expect to be so enraptured by their storyline. And I was completely, I was, I, I feel like I really, really felt for them. And just, like, the amount of drama and, like, emotion that they were able to get out on a tiny ship out of four people mm-hmm. when not not too too much happened it was just a really I really felt for all the characters and I just feel like I don't know Killian Murphy's character really really spoke to me too yeah. yeah he was really cool and like just it just impressed in general with how much all of the actors portrayed without words like yes and the amount like we freaking talked about this movie for like four hours without like barely any dialogue, but so much happens and the characters are built through these little moments and the few words that they have. And like, it's a testament to Christopher Nolan and the actors themselves. I just think it was just so well done in general. Yeah. And you've probably missed so much. Like there's probably so much that we haven't discussed and haven't noticed and we'd notice it if we watched it again. And yeah. that's what's so incredible that this movie is less than two hours long and we've just spoken about it for that long. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> You know, it's so much going on. Um, yeah. But also, it says on here, like, the talk about the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is so, like, I am so excited for, because whatever happens, this is going to get at least a couple of nominations yeah, for some for day. Sure. 
and um, there's talk that this could be his first um, best director. That would be amazing. Which would be, I mean, you'd feel proud of anyone, wouldn't you? Um, But for Nolan to, that would be so cool. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there's even smaller ones, like um, there's an award for, is it the Screen Guild um, for for Outstanding Cast? And I'm thinking as an ensemble, if they could win an award as an ensemble, then this is, this film deserves that because, yeah, definitely. It's so cool. And it'd be nice for Harry to get something then, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they're not, they're not going to get like supporting actor nominations or anything Mm. like that. I don't think because there's not, I mean, I know that Judy Dench won one for like being in a movie for about 10 minutes, but (laughs) I think it would be very weird if they got something like that for the little dialogue and that, but Mm -hmm. Um, and there's not enough for anyone to be like best actor, right. but but uh, in terms of like best film, there's ten films that go up for best picture right. in the Oscars, and I really feel like Dunkirk. If Dunkirk wasn't one of the ten, that would be a shock, mm-hmm. like a, a real shock. I mean, whether it has any chance of winning, I don't know because most of the big Oscar films come out in like November, mm-hmm. so and one of them will be. The one with Gary Oldman, which right, that would right. be, it'd be oh, weird. wouldn't it be weird if we were looking at a situation where if that film was really good, because Atonement won awards and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. we could be looking at a, a, a sort of um, battle between a film about Ooh. Dunkirk and a film about Churchill during Dunkirk. Oh my weird. god, too that real. would be strange. I know, <laughs> yeah. um, you never know. So because he could end up with like best um, actor nomination Gary Oldman mm-hmm. or, or something um, but there's the ones like cinematography and whatever I mean like sound editing or something if, if they don't get something. if they don't get an award for literally sticking actors in Spitfires and, and putting <laughs> like IMAXs on the side and everything they then that is just so unjust you know yeah. like yeah they, they will get something they will get yeah. some kind of nominations the score again like yeah. Hans Zimmer and and it's, there's going to be something and then um i do wonder like over in the uk i don't think harry would be eligible but they they have the um award for like newcomer basically for oh. um at the baftas it's yeah. like um it's a public voted one as well so if harry oh, didn't want oh, it, you know man. you know it would be voted but um i think it's meant for ones who have had multiple roles so okay. it makes me wonder if by that time people like Barry Barry and like Finn and mm-hmm. if any of them would be up for that because yeah. the, the past if you li- read the list of the past winners there's people like Tom Hardy on there wow. and, and Killian Murphy's been on there and and people like James McAvoy and like really big actors have won that award mm-hmm. and it'd be so cool if any of the casts like we would back anyone wouldn't we yeah if, if we, we're so protective of the whole cast now yeah, that we if are. Anyone, if anyone got a nomination, we would be like straight Voting on there. Them in. I love that how like we adopt people in the fandom. Like yeah. <laughs> Steve Aoki, like totally adopted into the fandom. Now the entire cast of Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, like <laughs> we're behind them. And I'd I'd be shocked if the BAFTAs didn't like support Dunkirk yeah. because this is yeah. our awards show. And I mean it's our version of the Oscars if you like, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like we'd have to back something that was as you know the people who are going to be voting from the the BAFTA whatever yeah. they're all going to be British aren't they they're going to be slightly mm-hmm. like let's support our own yeah um, yeah so my I have my fingers crossed and 
someone as someone has very evidently noted um the way that harry has planned his tour means that he has a nice gap that yes. means that he is able to attend award ceremonies and the only thing that's going to be really funny is the fact that they all take place at the same time as in the music ceremonies and the acting ceremonies oh and this year th- there was a bit of an overlap where i think the brits and and one of the big acting ones were like the same day oh, no. <laughs> um so i don't think they are next year um but how weird will it be if he does oh, attend both music stuff. I hope he does. Because I'd love to see him at the Brit Awards. Like, you yeah. know, it'd be brilliant. And he, then... He, well, he, do you think he'll get nominated for Brits? I don't... I mean, he'll probably get, yeah, for Best Video and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you, you, I don't think he'll get, like, Best Album and stuff because mm-hmm. they're all really picky and yeah. whatever. But <laughs> he might he might get nominated for Best Male or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were trying to discuss, to the Grammys, but it's so hard to know. And, like, how I know there was people saying, like, oh, Zayn couldn't get a Grammy for, like, best new per- artist because he was already in One Direction. But, like, that kind of seems stupid because, like, I feel like Harry should be nominated for best new artist even though he's been around, you know, because yeah. him himself I, wasn't an artist. I mean, on top of all of that, I just would love to see him perform at the Brit Awards yeah. because... Yes. Like they put on massive performances, and like it'd be so cool. I mean, I mean, obviously, I say about the Brits because that's what we watch, mm-hmm. and I don't get we don't get to watch the um, Grammys or anything like that over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's such a big deal, yeah. and can you imagine how cool it would be if Dunkirk was out there winning Oscars and things at the same time that Harry's out there performing? Oh, um, too beautiful. On, on, it would be like a massive month for him. Yeah. Like if, if it, even if he only got nominations or Dunkirk only got nominations, it it would be huge for him, just as yeah. this year has been anyway for him. Mm-hmm. That would be like the cherry on top of, you know, it would just be amazing. Mm-hmm. And at least there's that to look forward to, as well as like the Blu-ray and DVD release yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, so, but you have said like on here, it says, do you think Harry will do more acting? Yeah, what do you think? Because, like, in all those interviews, he's he, like, kind of jokes around, and he's like, maybe I'm one and done. I don't know what I'm going to do. But also, we know in the past, Harry continually lies to us about what his plans <laughs> are. So... <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. He's not. He's usually not a great liar. And <laughs> when he says one and done, he does sound a bit like, I don't really know. I think he doesn't really know. Like, there isn't much time for him to act mm-hmm. over the next... But I've always said that, like, he's in this amazing situation where, um, because of how big he is and how well this film is doing and everything, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't have to go for any role. He can go for when there's a good role that comes along yeah. and fits with his schedule. And that wouldn't affect his career at all because I think he'll still be in, in as in demand mm-hmm. in a year than mm-hmm. he is now. And he could be in a situation where he's already made relationships with certain directors and things. Yeah. And Especially could, after could... people see this one and they take exactly. him seriously. So even though he's touring for the next so many months, he could come to an arrangement where he's attached to a film that won't start filming until after he's free, you mm-hmm. know, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's better for us as well, because we don't want him just picking any role. Yeah. Like when we, when we heard about Dunkirk, we knew this was going to be big. Like we knew this mm-hmm. was like 
and such an impressive director, yeah. everything. There was no way this was going to fail. Yeah. We don't want him suddenly signing up for some romantic comedy by some <laughs> right, really rubbish. Because we'll be panicking then. It's like, but but also, how do you go one above yeah. Dunkirk? Yeah, that's that, true. That it's like, and that's for all of the actors involved, like mm-hmm. all of the young actors to start this high. Like, how do you follow that? Mm-hmm. It's it's such a difficult question. Like it's you can't really go one above a film especially if this film ends up nominated for oscars mm-hmm. it's like you've, you've already hit your peak <laughs> exactly you dive straight in and like where next yeah <laughs> so yeah it's just kind of i, I don't believe him when he says he probably <laughs> won't me either that's but probably a smart move it's probably going to be quite a long time before we hear of another role mm-hmm. but and also is he ready to do a lead role or is he gonna go back into an ensemble yeah and kind of... i don't know because in theory he, he could film some little bit parts he could do yeah i mean looking at this film this was intense because he filmed a lot but mm-hmm. people like tom hardy he didn't actually do a lot on this film mm-hmm. and it still looked like a lot because he was his scene was all within the same place it meant he could film it very quickly yeah mm-hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily have to go on big four or five month shoots. Mm-hmm. He can he can film for a couple of weeks and appear in a film. So it's like, is he going to do that or is he going to mm-hmm. wait for that big role? Mm-hmm. So it's I don't know. I was trying to look up the different movies that are like filming in the next coming like months because he he has August off, right? This the tour doesn't start until September. So I'm like, could he possibly yeah. be filming something else in like? A small role in some movie. I don't know. <laughs> but. Oh, I, I think I think with he's. I'll be shocked, but then he he likes to shock. You know what I mean? <laughs> we still have that <laughs> Mick Jagger, the Mick Jagger movie we're waiting on. So <laughs> I feel like Mick Jagger at this point really wants him to play him. I know. <laughs> Mick seems to love him. He's like yeah. continuously praising Harry. Ugh. Um. I think at this point, if if so, if one film doesn't happen, I think Mick's gonna write his own film. <laughs> like, it's just like, That's so true. I wouldn't be upset if Mick and Harry played every character in their own film. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it, but like at the same time, does he really want to play Mick Jagger? Because that's gonna be like—it's <laughs> the one thing that he can never escape—is that he looks that's like true. Mick Jagger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, he's he's done such a great job in this, and I feel like we 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 all like even not just us, like critics and everything, have been left wanting more. Mm-hmm. They and they want to see what else he can do, and I've got the impression that he can do something really good. Like he, it would be cool to see him in something quite serious and mm-hmm. quite dramatic, where because he's shown that he can do that mm-hmm. in just in that little scene. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think he could play a good bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Such a difference from the beautiful, lovely, polite, sweet Harry that we know. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll just have to see yep. what happens. We will. So how about for you? Do you think you're going to, what are you going to do now that the Dunkirk, I mean, it's not over, but how how are you going to take your account or, you know, all the historical stuff? Um, well, I'm, I'm obviously going to just continue up to like the DVD Blu-ray release, mm-hmm. um, and there'll, there'll be promo surrounding that as well, and promo in Oscar and mm-hmm. other season. Um, 
so like I'm looking forward up to sort of uh, March 2018 mm-hmm. at which point I would hope maybe there'll be like some whispers about another film or or something especially if he's coming out of award season with like yeah. this movie mm-hmm. just been really successful mm-hmm. um I'd hope that there'll be another role I mean if there's not I'm not going to complain because I'll get more sleep and <laughs> yeah. I'll actually be able to rest yeah and, and not worry so much about what's going on in the movie news but I'm not gonna like close I mean the, the whole reason that I called my account Styles Movie News and not Dunkirk News is mm-hmm. because I hoped that there would be a future yeah and th- it isn't just Dunkirk if this is like a, an account I've created so that we can follow anything that he does in the future mm-hmm. so um you never know. I might still be here running this account in like twenty years time. <laughs> That'll be. We'll have you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll still be around too. <laughs> Every you never movie. Know. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, if it if it doesn't do any more movies, which would be a shock, then at least he's left on a high because yeah, he, he's done something pretty incredible that's going to be an iconic film for a very long time. So mm-hmm. it's. And like I said, like we've got twenty-two-year-old Harry Styles on camera in a film for like that staying like a Forever, it's like a time sure. box. Like it's it's never gonna leave. That's yeah. but we we have that to keep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have all the gifts to look forward to, and everything when the DVD <laughs> comes out, it'll all be there. Yeah. So um, I w- I would hope I'd be shocked if there isn't anything in the future. Yeah. And we're definitely going to see a little bit of acting because I'll be interested to see what happens with his music videos mm. from now on. Mm-hmm. If he's going to explore that acting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see what happens with two ghosts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's to hoping he goes to a haunted house and films. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you planning to see the boys on tour? Did you get manage to get tickets to Harry or Niall? Yeah, I'm seeing Harry here in Manchester. Um, I'm seeing him in this year in November <gasps> wow that's so exciting I know at the small gig in Manchester Apollo and then I've got tickets to see him at the arena which is going to be like I mean luckily it's not going to be my first show at the arena mm-hmm. after, since what's happened you know like yeah, yeah. Manchester you know I'm going to be going to a show there in like November or December anyway so mm-hmm. it, it won't be my but it's going to be kind of like a bit weird because it's yeah. going to be a year a year since what's happened at the oh, arena wow. when Harry plays it wow. so it's wow. that's going to be quite you know like eerie yeah, yeah. Uh, but also I'm seeing him in London as well I'm gonna um, see him in London because I'm I'm actually I, going there and living there for a year in September starting I don't know which date it was that I'm going to my friends bought the tickets I think it's the first day is that I uh, oh, that might be the Wednesday I think I'm going on the Thursday in April I'm not sure but I was I was gonna try and get tickets for the other show and like like closer to the time hopefully try and get tickets for there and possibly for Glasgow oh, I mean cool. I know I know I'm being a bit selfish <laughs> no but I was like, on I was on the um website the other day and there's still tickets left even better than the ones I have but I can't exchange them because oh, they don't let you change them so if you go on the Thursday showing there's like tickets right now they're not floor seats but they're they're not the super high up ones either so yeah and also I wanted, I wanted to go to Birmingham as well 
Wow. Do you know, the reason being, he's, it's like he's timed this so well. The tour, like in the UK, is in the one week that I'm off school, like off, oh, off my nice. work. Because so we've got, got a half term. <laughs> so, yeah, like, so I just thought, why not while I'm off for a week? Why yeah. don't I just travel around and see Harry? Because that's Be exactly what I did on the One Direction tour. Mm-hmm. I did that. I went, I went to like three Newcastle shows, wow. um, one in Birmingham, two in Manchester, one in Cardiff. Like I, I just kind of traveled around. And it's so fun because especially now having run this account, I've got friends who I've mm. met and and like I could go wherever to whatever place and I'd mm-hmm. know someone who's there. Mm. So it, it's so cool. to, And I've had experience of that, of meeting up with people at different shows. So. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Yeah. I love that, that you can meet people on, on over social media and then see them and like become friends. Like through the yeah. podcast, we've just met so many people. And yeah, it's really, I mean, really something cool. I wouldn't have done when I was a little bit younger, but like I'm 24 now, so mm-hmm. I trust myself to go and meet strangers. You don't need to tell your mom or something that you're meeting people <laughs> online. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, so like all the people I've met with has been like similar ages to me and everything. We all obviously like the same things and mm-hmm. it's just really cool. And I just meet up with them for like going out for a meal and stuff. It's it's just really nice. So. Mm-hmm. And we met up for Dunkirk and at the IMAX. So, yeah, that's one of the nicest sides of running an account like this is yeah. that you meet loads of new people and mm-hmm. just make loads of new friends. Yeah. Fandom is beautiful. Yay. <laughs> um, all right. So let's wrap this show up after so, so long. I think what we're going to end up doing is cutting this episode into two parts because yeah. posting a four-hour <laughs> episode is a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's nearly five hours now. I know. It's insane. But, you know, there's no stopping us when we start talking. Um, but anyone who's listening to this, please give us your feedback. If you've seen Dunkirk, let us know what you thought. I mean, we discussed so much, but as we said, like, there's so much more to discuss. And I think there's things that we couldn't even have picked up on. So, like, let us know your thoughts on this. Write us in. And we're definitely going to be talking more about Dunkirk because there's just so much to discuss. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 107 of Talk Direction. You can go follow us on Twitter at talk underscore direction. You can email us at talkdirection at gmail.com. You can go to our Tumblr, which is talkdirection.tumblr.com, or our Instagram, which is just talkdirection. And you can follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Caitlin I.R. Foster, and Caitlin is spelled C-A-I-T-L-I-N. And Kara, where can they find you? I'm Kara underscore pond, and Kara is with a C. And Sasha, where can they find you if they would like to go follow your amazing account? <laughs> it's just at Styles Movie News. Awesome. And is there anything else you want to plug or promote or charities or anything that you're doing that you'd like to tell the people? Um, not at the moment, no. <laughs> just just awesome. follow my account as I kind of still digest the fact that Dunkirk is such an amazing movie. Yes. And and if you haven't followed her, honestly, go back, go through everything she's posted over like the entire year and a half or whatever, because it is so helpful and so amazing to just like find out all the history behind it and the history of the actors as well. Like so much work has gone into it and you'll definitely benefit from going back. Um, 
We want to remind everyone that we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash talkdirection. Um, and you can also go to audible.com slash talkdirection for your free first free audiobook. Audible trial. Audibletrial.com slash talkdirection. Thank you, Kara. <laughs> no problem. It's always me who does that. So. I know. Um, you can also rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. And we're also on SoundCloud, and there's a SoundCloud app as well, if that is more your style. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kara. And we want to give a... Nice. we want to give a huge thank you to Sasha for being on the show honestly like you have given us so much more to think about and like all of your background information has been I know now I want to go watch the movie immediately right now with all the new things I've learned yeah honestly thank you thank you thank you thank you so much thank you for sticking with us for five hours (laughs) (laughs) so I feel so blessed it's so funny because like while we've been talking because obviously we started at 5 30 it's now like night time here. It's, <laughs> it's it's half past ten. Oh my god! It's literally gone dark as we've been talking. Everything. Oh gosh! Well, thank you so much for sticking with us and being on. And we would love to have you back again at some point to talk more about Dunkirk or any of the other news, Harry Styles movie news that he has. So. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that'd be fine. It'll be cool. Yeah, so thank you guys, everyone, for listening. Again, write to us. Let us know what you think. We will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.